This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We begin with a shakeup at the top of one of the nation's most prominent universities. The president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, resigned today following accusations of plagiarism Gay. and the university's alleged mishandling of anti-Semitism on campus Gay. since the start of the war between Israel and Hamas. The announcement comes less than a month after her congressional testimony that sparked outrage and intense backlash both from critics and prominent university I donors. like guys. Gay becomes the second Ivy League leader to step down following last month's contentious hearing before the House Committee on Education. Gay. Six months into her tenure, Harvard University President Claudine Gay announced she's resigning Gay. so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge. Gay's resignation comes nearly a month after she and the presidents of UPenn and MIT faced widespread condemnation following this testimony at a House education hearing on anti-Semitism on college campuses. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. The death of a senior Hamas leader in Beirut. Hamas and the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah confirmed Saleh al-Aruri was killed Tuesday in an explosion. Six others, including two other Hamas commanders, were also killed. Lebanon's state-run news agency claims an Israeli drone carried out the attack. Israeli officials have declined to comment. An explosion rocked southern Beirut Tuesday evening, killing seven Hamas militants, including a top commander and founder of the group's military wing, Saleh El-Aruri, a man wanted by the Israelis and Americans. The U.S. government had a nearly $5 million bounty on his head. Eric Adams ups the ante in his game of high-stakes poker with Texas Governor Greg Abbott over the busing of thousands of migrants to the city. It was finger-pointing time at the OK Corral after Texas Governor Greg Abbott thought he got the better of Mayor Adams by finding a way to authority's his executive order limiting the hours buses of asylum seekers can arrive in the city. Adams called him a bully. Deputy Mayor Fabian Levy likened him to the Joker from Batman's Dark Knight. There's a line in it that... Some men can't be reasoned with or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Greg Abbott is that man. We're going to win because we're on the side of right. We're on the side of right of that human beings should not be treated in an inhumane manner. And so he's not on the side of right. Our country has always been a country of immigrants, a country of rules and regulations, and we will utilize those rules and regulations to stop what he's doing to cities in America. New York is a city where we fight bullies, and others are joining us. Former President Trump filed an appeal asking the Superior Court in Maine to overturn a ruling that keeps him off the March primary ballot. The court now is until January 17th to make a decision. Maine Secretary of State last month disqualified Trump from the ballot over his alleged role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol nearly three years ago. Trump is expected to appeal a similar ballot ruling in Colorado to the U.S. Supreme Court. Do you have any concern uh, taking Trump off the ballot risks tearing, tearing the country apart? My duty under Maine election law and the Constitution and the oath I swore to the Constitution is was to look exclusively at the hearing and the evidence before me and make a decision based on the law. Neither political considerations nor personal considerations for my safety could enter into that decision. I 
have a duty and obligation to follow the Constitution, as do all of us who serve in government. We're going to have a big fight. will take place in the spring. We'll be, they're going to try to force Nikki on the ticket. They say Trump needs a woman. Nikki on the ticket. She balances things. And she can bring together that 15% of never-Trumpers in the Republican Party. We're going to have to have that fight. If Nikki Haley is in this administration in any capacity... It will fail. Well, she's a, she's a viper. She's a viper. And once she gets in there, she'll try to run it as prime minister. She'll try to be Dick Cheney. Uh, to, she'll try. Her to Trump will be just like Dick Cheney to Bush. That's but what she'll see. I have to ask you because Richard Barris issued a warning about this, a very specific warning, and he went even further. Barris's warning was this: He said, "You put her in as vice president, and they will find someone to Lee Harvey Oswald Trump." Get him out of there and make her the president in his stead. And he said if she becomes VP, that guarantees they're going to take a shot at him. Tonight, we are now broadcasting from my new home, the great free state of Florida. Like so many Americans, I left New York for good and am now in the state with, let's see, warmer weather, law and order, better education, more freedom, uh, better quality of life. And guess what? No state income tax. They all bought Cadillacs and left there long ago. We held a concert out in Brooklyn to watch the island bridges blow. Churches up in Harlem Like in that Spanish Civil War The flames were everywhere But no one really cared It always burned up there before Oh yeah, now you can hear Our friend, the great Fox News anchor Sean Hannity to the list of wealthy New Yorkers who decided to get the hell out of here. You could add Sean Hannity to that list. I think he he moved. I don't know this for sure, but I believe Sean moved uh, very close to Trump. And uh, my friend from Newsmax, Chris Ruddy, they all live kind of that same neighborhood, if you will. Uh, Not far from, I guess, maybe where Rush used to live. I don't think Rush was in Palm Beach, but uh, that was Sean Hannity last night on Fox News, letting his 
millions of viewers know that he is out of here, that he has made the move to Florida. You know, in that open, of course, we had the mayor, Eric Adams, going on and on about how New York doesn't get bullied and um, everybody else is joining us and continuing to call out Governor Abbott in Texas for his, quote-unquote, racially mishandling situation of the migrants. The truth is, is that Eric Adams has uh, done a miserable job. We know this already. This is, God, it's over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter how cute my friend Fabian leaving. I like Fabian. Fabian's been very, very good to me. He's a very nice guy, the deputy mayor. How cute he gets making Joker, Batman references. The truth is, Adams, Adams caused almost all of this. Now, clearly it's Joe Biden's policy. We know that. The issue at the border, that is not Adams' fault. But given the opportunity a year ago or more, to call out the quote-unquote federal government and send those buses elsewhere, Adams didn't do it. He went on and on yesterday about how us being a sanctuary city has nothing to do with it, and then he mentioned right to shelter. Look, i got to be honest, and I know I say this every day and annoy some of you. I don't care. I like him. I see Eric Adams. We go for lunch. We've had dinners. He's very nice to my wife, Danielle, my son, Gabe. I like him. He's not a bad guy. He's not. He's just in way over his head as the mayor of this city. And he did a terrible job in year two. Not a good job. Not an okay job. Not a bad job. A terrible job. And Sean Hannity. I mean, Sean Hannity, once again, did his broadcast from Palm Beach last night. And Sean lived very nicely here. Lived on Long Island. Very, very beautiful home. Everybody knows Sean makes upwards of about $30 million a year between his radio show and Fox News, so he can live wherever the hell he wants. He's a very, very wealthy guy, and he picked Florida, not New York, Mr. Adams. So let me get to um, to some of these cuts when, when Justin drops off the sheet. I don't have them yet. But Eric Adams goes on and on yesterday once again about how we're not going to be bullied and New York is this and New York is that. And the truth is, I know my friend Michael Kemper is probably listening right now because he's on my Instagram page uh, very early in the morning. And I love Mike. And I think Eric Adams made a great choice in, in hiring or appointing Mike, I should say, to run the, the transit and the subways and all that. He's a terrific guy, Mike. But Adams is lost. He's completely lost. And he can call out Abbott all he wants. He can call out DeSantis. He can call it anybody he wants. But the one person he has never really called out is Biden. And that's why he uses those two words all the time. Federal government. Not Biden. Just say Biden. I mean, you realize that during the uh, break, during the Christmas break, that despite all that's going on in this city, and again, He has no issue, no issue taking out a Republican governor in Abbott or a Republican governor in DeSantis. That Eric Adams publicly, publicly issued his support once again for Joe Biden. Folks, if that doesn't tell you what a phony Eric Adams is, I don't know what will. He complains every day about how the federal government, which is Joe Biden, stuck it up his ass. 
and made this city the mess that it is, and then he comes out last week and says, I'm supporting Biden in 2024. So what's more important to you, Eric Adams, New York City or your stupid party? Clearly, clearly, if you're supporting Biden and he's the problem, you are supporting your stupid party over New York City. He did the same thing with Hochul. Yelling and screaming about bail reform. I tried. I went up there. Stuart Cousins slammed the door in my face. Carl Heasty slammed the door in my face. Okay, fine. Then you know what? You tell Kathy Hochul, I'm not supporting you. Until you figure out a way to fix this bail reform mess and stop the crime in my city, I'm going to support Lee Zeldin. You can do that in America. Now, of course... He feels like a million bucks this morning because the crime numbers came out yesterday and the major crimes, murder, shooting, down again. Great. Terrific. Congratulations, Mayor Adams. You do something good, you deserve the credit. Those numbers are down. There are other numbers that are way up. Way up. So let me get to uh, all the quotes that the mayor made yesterday. Start with this one, where once again he calls... Governor Abbott a bully, and then they make some fakakta poker analogy, which Adams feeds into with Fabian Levy. Lewis, this is Mayor Eric Adams, cut number six. Governor of Texas continues continuously state that, well, you guys are a sanctuary city. You know, that has nothing to do with this. These people are paroled into the country. They're legally here. And being a sanctuary city, is has nothing to do with this at all. These are people who are paroling uh, into the Parole country. In. And while they're here, uh, we are obligated by what the city has pushed. And that's why we're in court now to say that the right to shelter should not have an impact on this migrant crisis. It's like a bizarre case of, of, of poker where you say... I'm going to exec- issue an executive order that's going to p- prevent only have buses coming in a certain time. And he says, I'll see that but that bid, and now I'm going to send him to New Jersey. I mean, how did- it keeps going. Yeah, you, 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 you do until he throws in his hand. We're going to win because we're on the side of right. We're on the side of right uh, that human beings should not be treated in an inhumane manner. And so he's not on the side of right. Our country has always been a country of immigrants, a country of rules and regulations, and we will utilize those rules and regulations to stop what he's doing to cities in America. New York is a city where we fight bullies, and others are joining us. Nobody's joining you. These other Democrat cities that are falling apart, that's where you're going to take pride in? That's where you're going to beat your chest, Mayor Eric Adams? These other blue cities... Crime is going through the roof. The quality of life is basically thrown out the window. They're joining you. So what? What about the good people, the taxpayers, people like me and Sean Hannity? Hannity left. I may be next. I don't know. What about us? When do we count? When do what we care about? When does that count? We don't want migrants all over New York City. We want you to figure out a way to grow a set of balls and send these buses elsewhere. Just like they're doing. But no, you won't do that, and you blame us for being ignorant. What do you mean? I can't can't just send away the buses. Sure you can, tough guy. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number seven. I am blown away 
at some of the most intelligent New Yorkers in the city. That's when me. I, when I'm moving around the city, I say this over and over again, who are not aware that we can't stop the buses from coming in. Sure you can. Who are not aware we do, we do not have deportation status. Who are not aware that we cannot turn those who commit crimes over to ICE. Oh, really? They're just rules that everyday New Yorkers are not aware of. Mm. And uh, we need to really continue in 2024 educating New Yorkers yeah. on the fact that over 57% of those who came in, we were able to self-sustain. That uh, we have been educating the countless number of children, that we are operating within the restrictions of not only federal law, but city and state law. Does this guy realize how bad his numbers are? Coming off that year two, he promised an Aaron Judge year, like I told Rudy Giuliani yesterday. It was more like a Mickey Klutz year offensively. Does he realize that 28%, 29%, him and Biden, ain't going to get him reelected? Does he realize that? You can talk all you want about how stupid us New Yorkers are. I can't believe you guys can't figure out. No, we figured it out okay. You are a pussy. And you play to your base, and you play to your party, and we're tired of it. You promised you were going to come into this city and be a tough guy, clean things up. Here's Mayor Adams, cut number eight, talking about how we've reached the boiling point with the migrant crisis. For many uh, months, we were able to keep the visualization of this crisis from hitting our streets, but we have reached a breaking point. Yeah, We're right. no longer able to do that, that a while because ago. of the volume in numbers. Just yeah. last week, we had 3,900 people that arrived here. We are averaging anywhere from 2,500 to close to 4,000 a week. And if you do the math, you see that's 8,000 every two weeks, potentially 16,000 a month that we must feed, clothe, house, educate children, and all the services that you would give a normal adult. And we're seeing that play out on our streets of New York. Tell us about it. And that it. is what the breaking point looks like, right. what we're we are experiencing right now. That's why we're all leaving. So, again, given the opportunity to call out Joe Biden, whose policy at the border is really the reason behind this mess, I mean, we know, of course, that Eric Adams is not being truthful because he talked about us being a sanctuary city. He welcomed in all these people for the better part of a year. He did. Come on, baby, come on. Given the opportunity once again yesterday to call out the man he supported in the presidential race just last week, he didn't do it. He used those two famous Eric Adams words, federal government. Not Joe Biden, federal government. Mayor Adams, cut number nine. We were dealt ahead, and we played the hell out of that head. What this administration has the done. the hell out of it. Uh, international about? and national leaders have looked at it and said, it's amazing what you what you have done in this administration. What? And so this is the hand we were dealt. And everyday New Yorkers who are who are struggling to make ends meet, they're not weeding through all the layers. All they know is we have a mayor and we have a migrant crisis and the mayor did not fix that migrant crisis. We have to show them that the national government has dropped this into our lap. How about Joe Biden? How about saying Joe Biden? What do you mean the national government? Joe Biden. The man that you once again publicly supported last week. So it's very simple. As you start to figure out who you want to vote for for mayor next time around, and this is nothing personal. I like Eric Adams. Mayor Eric Adams is full of shizzle. 
because he is clearly picking his party over this city. You cannot blame the quote-unquote federal and or national government, which is Joe Biden, and then not blame Joe Biden and support Joe Biden. You cannot blame Albany and the crime crisis in New York City on bail reform and then, without any hesitation, go out there and support Hochul, who is the big issue, over Lee Zeldin. Eric Adams does not practice what he preaches. He just doesn't. At the end of the day, every decision he makes makes it more and more clear that New York City, for all the love he contends he's got for the city, that New York City falls way behind his loyalty to the Democrat Party. And that's why he should not be mayor next time around. When he wakes up and says, forget about federal national government, Joe Biden. And I'm not going to support Joe Biden. I don't like Donald Trump. I'm not going to support Donald Trump either. I'll wait. When he says something that puts the city before his party, then he'll earn that respect, which he has not done up to this point, including just yesterday. Claudine Gay is gone, but not really. You know what's great about these stories? And look, I'll take it. It's a win. She loses the title. But just so you guys know the real truth, that lady who stepped down at Pennsylvania, she's still getting paid. And this Claudine Gay, who's screaming racial animus, she's still getting paid. You know what Claudine Gay makes a year? More than me. $900,000. She makes almost a million dollars. She's not going to lose one penny. So while, yes, she loses the title of president, she's not resigning or getting fired or losing her salary. Neither did that animal at Pennsylvania. We'll take it. We need any victory we can get. But the truth is, it's not a real win. Alan Dershowitz with Katz and Cosby yesterday talked about how the world is better off with her gone We'd be much better off if she wasn't collecting a million dollars. But here's Alan Dershowitz, courtesy of Katz and Cosby, cut number five. Harvard is better off. Universities are better off. The United States and the world is better off. And so uh, with her being gone, and so I'm very glad it resulted in that. She is gone, but not really. She is gone, but not really, just like the lady at the University of Pennsylvania. And, of course, you heard about the big kill, Hamas number 2, taken out by the Israelis yesterday. An interesting conversation about Nikki Haley and Donald Trump from my friend Steve Bannon. Uh, as you heard Justin say last hour with Noam, Janine Pirro will now be on this program every Wednesday morning starting today at 915 and Steve Bannon will be on this program every Monday morning, starting this Monday at 8.40. So we add Piero and Bannon to the regular list of characters that appear on this show every week. And, man, do we got a huge show coming up today. Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Janine Piero, former ESPN anchor, the lovely Sage Steele, and, yes, Coming up at 8.40 this morning, the great one himself, Mark Levin. It's a huge Wednesday morning. 
right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. They said the Queens could stay. They blew the Bronx away. Took over Mexico There are not many who remember They say a handful still survive With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. This has something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs> Feels like, <laughs> Feels like. supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, this guy's been it's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine I, cellar for this I, thing. I, a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't ah, happen. Please. All right. College inside out. That was New York Jet quarterback Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee, ESPN football guy, and he he actually insinuated that Jimmy Kimmel would be on the list of Jeffrey Epstein. We got a couple of guys here on that list, by the way, just so you know, Jed. <laughs> Anthony Weiner's on the list. Shocker, shocker. Uh, good morning, Chad Lopez. I love you. How are you? 
<laughs> Did you see that list of 170 names? How many people yesterday took a huge sigh of relief when the name wasn't on the list? And how many names on that list did you know would be on that list? A whole bunch, right? A whole bunch. Lewis, yes. you didn't make the list. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm actually disappointed. <laughs> I was looking for Imus. I thought for sure Imus was on the list. I mean, it's not like he wasn't into underage girls. Deirdre was like 11 when he met her, right? <laughs> let's, let's, let's get some more substantiated evidence. That is true, though. So Aaron Rodgers says, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, he's got to be nervous. He's going to be on this list. So Kimmel comes out with a tweet. He did not address it, I don't believe, on his horrific late-night talk show last night. But here is Jimmy Kimmel's tweet this morning. Jimmy from Brooklyn. Don't you love when he does that? Comes back every summer and does shows from Brooklyn because he's from here. I guess he, he was born here. I don't know. I'd never, ever, ever put Jimmy Kimmel and Brooklyn in the same sentence. He's so L.A. Stern loves him. That's all you need to know. Here's Kimmel's tweet. It reads like this. Dear asshole. (laughs) What he said. For the record, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein. Nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft-brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Shut up, Jimmy. Put my family in danger. All the people that Jimmy has eviscerated over the years Rogers makes a feeble attempt at humor, and now Kimmel's family is in danger. Sounds like a guy that's hiding something to me. I don't know. You don't get that upset unless unless maybe you're hiding something. I don't know. Keep it up, and we'll debate the facts further in court. You, don't you love a guy who threatens to sue you? Are you speaking from experience when you say that? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. Yes, I am. The uh, more you go on the defensive, the more odds are you're guilty. Unless you say, come on, bring it. Bring it. That's all you should say. Yeah. So now he he threatens to sue him. You know, I love those guys. We'll talk about this in court. Yeah, I'm sure that'll turn into a whole thing. Well, you know what's great? Our next guest actually spends his days and nights in court and, believe it or not, has a lot to do with Jeffrey Epstein because these days he's defending Ghislaine Maxwell. That horrible lady who uh, did a lot of Jeffrey Epstein's dirty work, a lot of it. Now, Arthur, of course, will tell us differently, but that's because he's a lawyer. And um, he's a great lawyer, so he lies for his otherwise guilty clients. Harvey Weinstein, Ghislaine Maxwell, and a host. They all do it. It's not just Arthur. I mean, Takapina does it. They all do it. So we're going to talk to uh, Artie. Also, uh, Frank Morano sent me a story yesterday that if you're wondering if folks who were not able to make their flights or had issues getting to Kennedy Airport a couple of days ago because of the pro-Palestinians, can those folks sue, talking about suing an authorized dollar and Jeffrey Epstein, can they sue in an effort to collect some damages? And it turns out they probably can. So a lot to discuss 
with Arthur Idala coming up next. But it is time now for my weekly conversation with Frank Siller, the great CEO and the Tunnel to Towers. It's the update. The foundation looks to kick off the new year with more home purchases and mortgage payments for Gold Star and first responders' families, as well as our military veterans. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is dedicated to supporting the families of first responders and military personnel. Families like that of fallen Orange County Sheriff's Office Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine. Back on February 11, 2014, Officer Pine received a call of a burglary in progress. Upon responding to the call, he sustained three fatal gunshot wounds. Deputy Pine is survived by his beautiful wife, Bridget, and their three children. The Foundation's Fallen First Responder Home Program pays off the mortgages for the families of law enforcement officers and firefighters who lose their lives in the line of duty. After hearing Pine's story, Tunnel to Towers informed Bridget that they would cover the outstanding balance of her mortgage. Join the Foundation on its mission to provide forever homes to fallen first responder families nationwide by going to T2T.org and donating just $11 per month. The Pines are just one of countless families that rely on our support in their time of need. Visit T2T.org today. That's right, folks. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month at T2T.org. Once again, that's T, the number 2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with their bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavaneTanklets.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers starting locally on the hardwood, hardwood, I should say, last night. The Nets returned to the court only to get routed by the Pelicans in New Orleans by a score of 112 to 85. It was the fewest points the Nets have scored this season and the fewest the Pelicans have allowed. Brooklyn shot a season worst 35.7% from the field while losing their fourth straight contest. A microcosm of last night for Brooklyn. Cam Thomas entered the game averaging a team leading 22.4 points per game. He missed all 11 of his shots last night and did not register a single point. Tonight the Nets are right back out there to try and rebound. They'll be in Houston to take on the Rockets at 8 p.m. As for the Knicks, they'll be in action as well. Getting such welcome in the Chicago Bulls for an 8.30 p.m. tip. On the ice, the Rangers suffered a 6-1 beatdown in Carolina at the hands of the Hurricanes. What? Yeah. They beat Tampa Bay 5-1 to one just to lose 6-1 to the Hurricanes? Yeah. Who played goalie last night? Was that Chesterkin or Quick? Oh, that's a really good I question. I guarantee it's Chesterkin. I, I got to tell you, Takapita talks about this guy like he's Patrick Wah, like he's won nine cups. Well, you don't and I got to Quick has been uh, tremendous this year. Yes, he has been. He's been, in my, you know, my opinion, the best backup in the league. Should Better be... than a lot of starters. Well, actually. I was just going to say, he should be starting for a lot of teams. Shostakin was uh, in net last night, though. Uh, let's yes, just, yes. There you go. You see, I'm telling because Quick ain't losing six to one. I hate to state the Takapina, Pete Morgan, everybody else, but yeah. who thinks this guy's God? And I, I, I love Shostakin, but I mean, win a cup, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I just think same it, thing with Lundqvist. I mean, win a damn cup. Right. Win one, things one. Are, right, okay. I just said things will probably have to get a little bit worse before they start starting Jonathan Quick. No, I understand that. I'm not saying you start Jonathan Quick, but I'm going to be honest about it. Quick has been better. Yes, of course he has. He has? 
Yeah. Well, st- st- stupid. Statistically, yes. Dumbest conversation ever. He's obviously been better. Anybody who watches hockey. Anyway, they lose 6-1 to one on Colorado. The Islanders played the Avalanche a bit closer to the vest there. They, uh, albeit, still fallen by a score of 5-4, to four, thanks to a Nathan McKinnon overtime winner there. Tonight, the Devils return to the ice in Washington, gearing up for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop against the Caps. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PamillionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say he's just a friend. Stephen Stills right here, according to my man Lou Rapino, celebrating a birthday today. Love the one you with, baby. How old is uh, Stephen Stills today, Louis? Uh, I, I had it, and I have to look it up again, because I can't. Pete Morgan checks in. He says the Rangers were awful last night. Gave up two power play goals in the first. Mistakes all over the ice. And yes, Igor did not look good. And... You know, Igor's been great this year, two-point-something goals per game, very high save percentage. I I know the last game I went to with Gabriel, he was making unbelievable saves, but in games where the Rangers have given up a lot of goals have been blown out this year, it's been Igor, not Jonathan Quick. Seven other ten losses are by more than three goals. Thank you very much for that. Oh, 79. <laughs> 79? <laughs> oh, my God, he's 79. Right, and he wasn't in goal last night. He was not in goal last night. No, 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 no. no. So we got a great guest list <laughs> coming up this morning, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King. I'm really excited to talk to former ESPN anchor, the beautiful Sage Steele. Janine Pirro starts her weekly appearances today. She'll be on every Wednesday now at 9.15. I added Steve Bannon every Monday now at 8.40. And the great one, Mark Levin, also stopping by today. But we start off with a great one. One of the best defensive attorneys in the country. It's him and Takapina. One and one A. You pick who you want for one and who you want for one A. He's my uh, dear friend, Arthur Idala. Arthur, good uh, Wednesday morning, buddy. How are you? Happy New Year. And uh, I will tell you, Sid, I have never gotten a more beautiful Christmas card from a Jewish couple than the one I received from you and your <laughs> wife on Christmas Day. You, both of you look gorgeous. And I'm Thank saying, you. is it say, does it say like Merry Christmas and like Happy Hanukkah? No, just says Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm Danielle. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I don't know if any, I've ever had a Merry Christmas card from a very Jewish couple. But I, I loved it, man. I, Thank I, you. I thought sending out uh, that was a great picture. Yeah. That was a great picture. We took that picture at uh, Stephen Van Zandt's policeman's ball right before Christmas and uh, at our house before we left for the party. So we did use that for the, uh, the Merry Christmas card. Well, the way that, I mean, the way that picture looked, it was not a house. It looked more like a mansion. It <laughs> yeah, well, like, well, it's not. It's a so. staircase. Yeah. Wow, it was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Sid, you, you copped out a little bit. I mean, look, you could spend 
days and weeks and hours talking about what's wrong with New York. But on New Year's Day at Coney Island, the thousands of us who ran into that water and partied like it was the end of the world as we knew it, first in the parking lot, then on the sand, then after we went to Bay Ridge to the Wicked Monk. I mean, those are New York moments that, you know, you just can't duplicate. There's not that energy. There's not that fire. There's not that joie de vivre. We had so much fun. And you were invited. You were, you know, I said, said, look, we're going to be right by your house. We're going to be on the beach at Coney Island. And it was doctors and lawyers and accountants and cops and lieutenants and firefighters. It was fantastic. What? This is exactly why I want to leave New York. I mean, this is like crazy conversations like this. I could be in the beach in, in the Atlantic Ocean in Boca Raton where the water is 78 degrees, but no, I'm going to jump in freezing waters in Coney Island with a bunch of overpaid doctors and lawyers to prove what? Well, well what about the cops and the firefighters? Well, you left those Ah, out. they're idiots, too, for doing that. God, it's stupid. Oh, it, it, it was, Sid, honestly, it's a, it's it was a stupid, so It's a fun. stupid tradition. Why do you do it? What What is the reason for it? Well, I will tell you, it, it's, it started off because I was having a bad year. It was the year, the first year I didn't have my son because of my separation. Yeah. And Christian Carmody, who is your mother, was your teacher at Poly Prep. The great uh, Helen he, Carmody? Yes, ma'am. She yes, failed sir. me. She failed me in science. Listen, I was her son's best friend. I got a C minus, so you know, <laughs> like, hey, don't worry, don't worry about that. We went, and this year there was a bunch of people from Poly there. You know what? It's a baptism of sorts. You go in that water at 1 o'clock on the first day of the first month, and it's like, okay, you wipe off last year, and you're going into this year. It's invigorating. I mean, we start off, we do 24, whatever the year is, we do that many push-ups. So this year we did, we all dropped, we did 24 push-ups, ran into the water, and it was just such a, I brought a boombox into the water playing Mr. Brightside by the Killers, yeah. and all these people were dancing around in the water. It was spectacular. It really was I'm still flying high from it two days later. It was really, really great. All right, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. This is uh, the great defense attorney, Arthur Idala, and it is, of course, a a huge New York tradition, and a lot of very, very fine people, like Arthur said, cops, firefighters, and Arthur, jump in the water every year, and he seems to love it. That's good. So this list comes out yesterday, and we'll get to the the pro-Palestinian folks in a moment, but the list comes out yesterday, 170 names, and uh, Dershowitz is on the list. You know, Alan has become a dear, like you, a dear, dear friend and a family friend. And he had that whole lawsuit with Gufroy, and you got involved in that and did a very good job, mind you. But the name being on the list, you know perception sometimes is more dangerous than reality. And people are going to say, why are you on that list in the first place? What were you doing on that island in the first place, you know people are going to say that, yes? Well, yeah, but I mean, since you have Alan on your show all the time and, and John Katsimatidis does, I mean, you know who Alan was on the island with, right? I don't. I love Alan. I'm not accusing Alan of yeah. anything, but I just don't like seeing no, anybody's was, name on that list. He was on the on the island with his wife, Caroline, and his daughter. There you go. I think, was, I think he was 12 years old at the time. Jeffrey Epstein had just bought the island. Uh, it was still the island was actually still under construction. They spent one night there, um, but Alan was there with his wife and his little daughter, who actually just got married. Um, look, this people on that list. There were witness lists. There were people who were drivers. There were people who worked on the property. These were like if there was going to be a trial, who would be the people being called? This is not a list of this is everyone who Jeffrey Epstein uh, hooked up with women. This is a list of 
if this thing was going to go forward, and you know, you mentioned Jufrey, this was all from her uh, her case against Epstein and my client Ghislaine Maxwell, and this was just like, okay, who who are the names you would hear? You know, at the beginning of a trial, a judge asks both sides, give me a witness list and give me names of of people who jurors may hear because there could be a conflict. They could say, oh, well, you know, Sid Rosenberg was here, there, and someone says, wait a minute, Sid Rosenberg. Yeah, I'd right appreciate right. you not involving me in this in any well, way, even, okay. in, even in a hypothetical, keep my damn name right. off this. Yeah, nope. <laughs> well, it, it, it could just be like Sid Rosenberg was at Stevie Van Zandt's event, and, and Jeffrey Epstein was there, so we want to call him to verify that Jeffrey Epstein was actually at the event. So uh, Judge Preska, who I know well, who I did the Dershowitz case in front of, um, you know, representing Allen, she said, look, there's no reason, no legal reason anymore for, keep, for me to keep these names quiet, uh, except for anyone who was, who was saying they were a victim and they were minors at the time. Those names I will, I will redact and keep out. But everyone else, there's no legal reason why I shouldn't let these names go. Honestly, Sid, this is, like, this is all like a media play. There's really not a lot here. There's no names that the federal government from law enforcement doesn't know. There's no names that anyone who wants to bring a lawsuit doesn't know. There's really, you know, it's, it was a great way for all the cable news channels last night to spend the first half hour of their show. But there's really no big deal here. There's not a one. We all knew about Clinton. We all knew about Dershowitz. We all knew about Prince Andrew. There's no, like, blockbuster name on here that people go, oh, my God, could you believe that? So, you know, yeah, it was it was great to grab some headlines, but I don't see anything real coming out of it. Where are you in that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell case? Because, again, public perception is, and I think it's real, that she's guilty. I think she's guilty. Uh, where are you uh, in that case? Okay, so all the appeals have been submitted, and we're waiting for a date to argue that case in front of the uh, federal appeals court. We're guessing that's probably going to be in March. And again, people should understand appeals are not mini trials about is someone guilty or innocent. Who's on trial is like the umpire of a baseball game or a referee of a of a uh, you know a, a, a football game. Like, did they make the right call? So you know, you said something, Sid, which is just not true. Is that you know I go into court and lie. When I was a kid, my father hit me. My no. father struck me. The biggest yeah. thing he struck me for was lying. Yeah. Okay, so I will I will get every judge, every prosecutor to come on your show if you want, day after day after day. Yeah. And you and Curtis can cross-examine them whether Arthur Idala has ever lied to them. And I will oh, tell you, well, you listen, may, 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 you may, maybe I use – Listen, them. maybe I – well, you do lie. Uh, but maybe I use the wrong no, word. No, I don't, no, no, no. I, no <laughs> It started off every when I was like lawyer lies. Every lawyer, told, you all listen, lie. I don't. I don't have to lie. Here's the truth, folks. Ninety yeah. percent of my cases take up criminal cases. Cases take a plea. You know why? Thank God, our law enforcement officers actually arrest the guilty people. So that's a beautiful thing that we live in a country where people who are being arrested are actually guilty. So we don't lie. We minimize. We we mitigate. We say, yeah, okay, this guy did it, but. He was drinking and driving because he just found out that his wife is having sex with his best friend, who happens to be his brother. And, yes, he had drank too much to drink, and he drove. So instead of giving him a year in jail, can we give him three months in jail? That's oh, hold on. So you're telling me, and I, I love that, that, and you do do that. That's true. Uh, but you're telling me 
Because I've been arguing with Joe Tacopina about Yoran Bandersloot for years. He's innocent. He's innocent. Now he's not saying all that so much again. You're telling me there's never been a time in your illustrious and well-deserved illustrious attorney career that you haven't gone into court knowing full well your client was guilty and tried to make an argument they weren't. Not about jail time, how much, what the penalty should be, but that the person was actually innocent or guilty. You've never done that. I have made arguments that <laughs> said people have not proven their case beyond a reasonable doubt. There's been plenty of times. Listen, Billy Rapetti, when that crane fell in New York City and killed seven people, I argued he was factually innocent, and I got to hear not guilty 43 times right. because that was the truth. Right. Have, have clients lied to me? Our mutual friend, Lawrence Taylor, the first minute I met him, he was like, I didn't have sex with her. So I went on Matt Lauer's show. I went on Francis' show. I said he didn't have sex with her. After Lawrence and I got a little closer we found out that well, maybe that's not exactly true. Oh. But she was a she was a prostitute. She got paid for having sex. What happened? It went from a rape one felony to a misdemeanor where they wanted him to do years in jail to a misdemeanor where he got a slap on the wrist. And then Gloria Allred tried to sue him, and it took the jury fifteen minutes to say get out of here, Gloria Allred, and watch Gloria crying in the courthouse because she lost this big case against the great Lawrence Taylor. So no, there's no need to lie. But real quick, in a nutshell. I'm going in front of the appellate, in front of the highest court in the state of New York, the Court of Appeals, on Valentine's Day to argue that Harvey Weinstein did not get a fair trial. I don't have to lie about that. If they, the judge ruled that if Harvey was going to testify, the prosecutor was allowed to bring in almost 30 bad things that he's done in the course of his life. 30, 3 0. The most any judge has ever given before that is five. Five. Now they're going to allow third, what is there, a Weinstein rule? So it's not a lie. I just have to look at these seven judges, the highest in, in the state, and just tell them the truth. And God willing, they'll be like, yeah, this guy definitely didn't. And he said, she said case. We kept the, this judge who's now off the bench, thrown off the bench. This judge did not let the defendant testify. We're throwing, him at, we're throwing this case back down for a retrial. You don't need to lie. You can just... Speak the truth, okay. and you shall prevail, my man. Fair enough. Uh, I apologize using the word lie, counsel. You did a very good job explaining why you don't lie. You just, um, you know, sometimes have to. I want to talk about the idea you said. You sent me that email last night, and I did some <laughs> yeah. legal research. Okay, so here's no, the email I, I got from Frank really Morano. Morano sent me this. He says, so why and Frank how. Morano. Superstar Frank Morano. Yeah, he's, he's fine. About. Superstar, calm down. Uh, but I do love him. He is great. He is great. Why and how to sue anti-Israel protesters. This is from the Wall Street Journal. And I've been watching that for weeks, so it's a great job out of Frank. And you're here to tell us, hopefully, that we can sue these animals. Well, I'll begin at the end. Like, you could sue and you could win. Good luck getting any money out of them. But, yeah, I think you actually So If you're one of the people who's stuck on the subway because of them, or you're in your car and you're stuck on the bridge because of them, there's two elements um, for this false imprisonment tort. It's not a crime. This is a civil case. You're trying to get money. You're not trying to put people in jail. Two things. One is the detention or restraint against a person's will. So if they detained you or restrained you in the subway, in your car, however, against your will, that's the first element. And the second element is the unlawfulness of the detention of the, and the restraint. So if the police are allowing them to restrain you, like during the de Blasio administration, they allowed them to shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, then you can't sue them. But under the Adams administration, I know talking to Chief Chell and Chief Kemper, they're not allowing them to do this. Sometimes they get overrun 
but they're not allowing it. Now you got to find the person, have the lawsuit, hit him with the lawsuit. And one of them is that young woman who spoke at the CUNY law graduation, said horrible things about Jewish people, et cetera. But, you know, Sid, you, you find them, you sue them. Yes, they have to go f- spend some money to find a lawyer. And if you win, oh yeah, go, good luck getting $10,000 yeah. out of them. Right. Good luck getting right. five cents out of them. Yeah. And, you know, it kills me, bro. These people, half of them are from Bay Ridge. I know. Half of them are from where, from right where I live. So I know. Like, oh my God! It's, you know, it's it's crazy. I almost got caught up in the George Floyd thing in my car. These guys were about to bat me out. With the, uh, I mean, I was coming out by my office, and they're there, and they, I mean, they had fire in my in their eyes, running at my car, and you got to make that split second decision: Do I like hit the gas and take them out, <laughs> yeah. or, or do I just get my butt kicked? Right. Thank right. God, one of the other protesters grabbed. I mean, this guy would have crushed. He would have snapped me like a twig. One of the other protesters grabbed him and pulled him away from me. But I mean, I do know, and you know this too, because you broke bread with Kemper, as did I, a couple of weeks ago. The cops are out there. I mean, they're working their tail off to stop these protesters. They wanted to break up New Year's Eve. They didn't do it. They wanted to break up the tree lighting. They didn't do it. So you got to give hats off to those guys because you know during the George Floyd thing, they shut down everything. But it was a different administration. It was a different vibe at the NYPD. Oh, I agree. I love Michael Kemper. I think he's doing a terrific job, and I've, I've dined with him a bunch of times, and you've been there as well. So I do think he's doing a very, very good job. I just I don't know what else uh, we can do here. But, I, you know, and you're right. I mean, you're not going to get a penny out of these people. It will cost you money and a lot of time and maybe aggravation. It just it's just gotten to the point where it be, it's so frustrating that these people and, and your neighborhood had 5,000. You were the first one. Not long after October the 7th, that was when I was scared. I mean, to be honest, scared may be a, a strong word, but I was nervous. 5,000 of these people amassing in Bay Ridge. It was like two weeks, maybe even less, after October the 7th. Since then, I look at these people for what they are, a bunch of jokes. They're a joke. Yeah, they, they do the cause traffic. Only time in the first and only time in my life, you know I wear a Borsalino all the time, yeah. and I was wearing a black Borsalino walking up 86th Street to the R train right around then, you know, October 15th, 12th, whatever. Right. And it was the only time I ever, I couldn't even fathom this. Are they going to think I'm an Orthodox Jew and one of, one of these guys is going like, to come and beat me up or, no. or, or just harass me, just knock my hat off? I never, ever had that feeling in my life. Right. And, boy, I got to tell you, brother, it's a horrible, horrible yeah, of course. feeling. You know, I saw Dershowitz last night on, uh, I think it was a news station, and they were asking him about this Jeffrey Epstein list and the Me Too. And you know what Dershowitz said? All those women who were jumping up and down and screaming and calling horrible names to me, Alan Dershowitz, where are they now jumping up and down about all the women in Israel who got raped oh, on October my, 7th and yeah. thereafter? Well, listen, they only care about uh, one, one person. He said, me too is not for the Jew. That's what that's what their motto should be. It was, <laughs> no, he's great, and I'm glad he said that last night. But again, not to beat my own chest, I said that October the 9th. I didn't wait for the New York Times or Allen last night. I mean, I've been yelling about the rapes, specifically the rapes dating back to me as Shem two months ago for a very long time. I mean, I, I am far from the smartest guy, the, the, the brightest bulb on the tree, but whether it's Trump going to East Palestine, Ohio, which everybody is saying these days, the rapes on October the 9th, I've been there from day one. Lots of other folks kind of late to the party. That's why you're getting that award. Aren't you getting that award next month? But what award? I am getting another award. I, I, I've got so many now. I'm starting to feel like uh, like Liz Taylor. Listen, Joel Seidman, who is a literally a storied prosecutor in the Manhattan DA's office, he's been there for 30 years. 
He called me. He said, I hear you on Sid all the time. I know him for, since 1990. He's like, uh, I'm raising money because they need more ambulances in Israel. And I'm raising money just to give them money just to buy an ambulance or, or two or three. And it's honestly, it started off as, well, we would love Sid to host the show. And then after a couple of more of your eloquent rants about this, he said, no, 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 we want to give Sid an award at the show. Awesome. So you just got to coordinate it, and they're putting something together in January. I think February, right after the Super Bowl. But uh, you yeah. know more than me, okay. Yep, there you go. go. He's a terrific Listen, you guy. You deserve it. Yeah, thank you, you, you Artie. You thank you. It. Thank you. I love you, man. This was another great uh, appearance, another great conversation. Say hello to your mom and dad, and continue kicking ass out there. Thank you, Artie. All the, all the best in 2024 for uh, Sid and friends, man. You too, buddy. That's um, a mean man. I love him. The great attorney, Arthur Idali. He's a good boy. That is a good man right there. His parents did a terrific job. They really did. That wraps up our number one with a huge show still to come your way. Clues, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Janine Pirro, former ESPN anchor Sage Steele, and coming up at 840, the great one himself, Mark Levin. Three big hours of sitting friends in the morning about to come your way. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Governor of Texas continues continuously state that, well, you guys are a sanctuary city. You know, that has nothing to do with this. These people are paroled into the country. Paroled. They're legally here. And being a sanctuary city, it has nothing to do with this at all. These are people who are paroling. Uh, into the country, and while they're here, uh, we are obligated by what the city has pushed. And that's why we're in court now to say that the right to shelter should not have an impact on this migrant crisis. It's like a bizarre case of, of, of poker where you say, I'm going to issue an executive order that's going to prevent only have buses coming in at a certain time. And he says, I'll see that but that bid, and now I'm going to send him to New Jersey. I mean, how did, it keeps going. Yeah, you, 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 you do until he throws in his hand. We're going to win because we're on the side of right. We're on the side of right of that human beings should not be treated in an inhumane manner. And so he's not on the side of right. Our country has always been a country of immigrants, a country of rules and regulations, and we will utilize those rules and regulations to stop what he's doing to cities in America. New York is a city where we fight bullies, and others are joining us.
7 o'clock hour with uh, one of my favorite fans ever, very similar to Bruce and Southside Johnny. These guys are John Haverty and the Beaver Brown Band. And, of course, they use this song in the great movie Eddie and the Cruisers, where Michael Parry did a very good job playing Eddie from Eddie and the Cruisers. That's Mayor Adams. And before I get to Curtis, I'm not going to out this person because this person does work in the city. And I like this person very much. But this person sent me a direct message after this person heard those Adams comments back in the 6 o'clock hour. And this person said this. Patrolled in? What the F terminology is that? Sounds like criminals. And they deserve shelter over New York City citizens? He's so dumb. I'm embarrassed by his intellect. Who's advising him? Our legal was smart. These clowns are a mess. I thought de Blasio was dumb. He's worse. Far worse. And again, you don't know who this person is, but I can tell you this person is a very, very bright and very brave New Yorker. And I have a feeling what this person said, Curtis Sliwa, is exactly what you are thinking, yes? Oh, yeah. And uh, remember, he's now going to go to war with New Jersey. First off, still not. Uh, you already have Murphy taking the city and the state to court over congestion pricing, right? Why would Murphy want to work with you when you're trying to screw his constituents with congestion pricing in the spring, right? That's number one. Number two... Abbott is just smarter than Eric Adams. He's beaten him every step of the way. First, remember, Adams called him a racist. Then he doubled up the number of illegals that he was sending here. Then he called him a madman. He doubled up on that. And then he said, you can only send your illegal aliens here Monday through Friday, 8 to 12, at the Port Authority, or we're going to seize the buses, you know, we're going to find the charter bus. So he knows there are sanctuary cities all in northern New Jersey especially Jersey City and Hoboken. They are sanctuary. He just drops them there, and then naturally the coyote takes them the rest of the way. They know, okay, let's get on New Jersey Transit at the Frank Lautenberg Station. Which, <laughs> I know it well. If you've ever been there, you need I've been it's there. a maze. Yeah. You know, get lost. The coyotes uh, already uh, know, know the route. Uh, Congressman Mike Lawler checking in, and I appreciate the fact that no matter where he is, Rockland County, D.C., all across the country, he listens to the program. He says, Sid, I'm at the border today. Adams is not on the side of right. He made that point to Marsha Kramer about 10 times yesterday, how he's on the quote-unquote side of right. And I'll say what I said in the 6 o'clock hour. This is where Eric Adams loses me. If he's angry about what's going on in New York, because we are, Curtis is, Sid is, Mike Lawler is, if he's angry, then he has to call out the president, Joe Biden. 
not the federal government, not the national government. Those two words don't work. The two words he must say is Joe Biden. Not only does Eric Adams not use the two words Joe Biden, but last week, while I was on vacation, he publicly supported Joe Biden in the 2024 election, just like he did with Kathy Hochul. He was upset about all the bail reform stuff. He could have easily said, I'm not going to support Lee Zeldin, but I'm not going to support Kathy Hochul either until something is done. He can do the same thing right now with Joe Biden, but he's proving time and time again that the only thing important to Eric Adams is his stupid Democrat party and not New York City. Well, look, uh, all he's got to do is take a page out of uh, then Ed Koch, the congressman who was running for mayor in a runoff with uh, Mario Facha Brota Como. Uh, they were all there waiting at the tarmac of the heliport in Wall Street. President Jimmy Carter was coming in. And what did then Congressman Ed Koch do just before he got elected mayor? He gave him a letter. He said, why are you supporting the PLO? Why are you supporting Yasser Arafat? Why are you aligned against the state of Israel? Why is your U.N. ambassador, Andrew Young, meeting with the PLO behind closed doors? Do you know he raised such a a ruckus about that that they had to get rid of Andrew Young? They had to remove him. I remember. And he said, now he didn't say I'm supporting Ronald Reagan to be president, but he said I'm withholding my support against Jimmy Carter, the sitting president. All Eric Adams had to do is just, I'm withholding my support. Right. I'm not supporting Trump either, but I'm not going to support Biden. That's all he had to say. That's it. And that would start a wave into other cities that don't know what to do about this because they're sanctuary cities like Denver, like Chicago, like Philadelphia, like Baltimore. Well, talking about the sanctuary cities, it seems to me that Eric Adams and Nicole Matutakis have said this a bunch of times. He's been confusing sanctuary cities with right to shelter from day one. So Johnny Tobacco, our dear friend from Newsmax, just sent me this. He said, guys, it's simple. Adams is full of shizzle. Here is the New York State Supreme Court ruling ending right to shelter settled law in New York. And again, he confuses the two, Eric Adams, all the time. Sanctuary city and right to shelter. As far as I know, neither one of these, neither one of these work when you're talking about migrants. U.S. citizens, New Yorkers, yes, not migrants. Exactly. But you see, Eric Adams doesn't tell the truth. He's in mediation. He's in court, but he's agreed to mediation with the Coalition for the Homeless and Legal Aid. He's going to lose. What, the moment you blink and you say, okay, let's mediate this situation, you've lost. You're not ready to go into court and fight for the citizen of New York, just like with that consent decree that he signed that chains and shackles the NYPD now and all these Hamas crazy demonstrations where they can't even touch the demonstrators, they can't even push them into a corner, they let them have free reign in the city. That's because of this mayor. And again, last week he said, well, you know, I I really, I never wanted to sign this. I know it's going to cause problems for the NYPD. Jerky boy, you signed it. Nobody moved your hand. And let me tell you what Eric Adams said back in August a year ago. He said, we need to ensure that the illegals receive health care and protection, that ICE is never in a position to partner with a police department to harm them. We'll also need to make sure we treat them with the respect and dignity they deserve. That's Eric Adams. All of a sudden now he's saying, look, I, I can't deport them. Because, you know, 
Oh, uh, he's got to work with ice. Sure, he could. Him and right. Cuomo started right. this whole nonsense, he, he, calling he, ice thugs. He also again brought up ice, Eric Adams, in uh, in not very nice terms. So here, you and I have been uh, doing this show together daily for months. I say it uh, many times. I'll say it again. Maybe the best program program uh, programming decision I made in 2023 was inviting you on every day. And thank God you said yes. You've been amazing. But oh, uh, uh, you think I'm crazy? No, no. The the, the, the ten minutes that I do every day, more <laughs> people you. listen to me in the mornings here than with the nine thousand <laughs> hours I well, do the rest you. of the week no, and the nice. nights and all different. Uh, that's true, but you know you. that. Hey, I no, study I, the analytics. I know, I know. But it's very nice of you to say that. But uh, it seems to me that I've done more than my fair share. You just said it. You just said it. And if anybody should be your campaign manager when you officially announce, which is coming very, very soon that you'll be running against Eric Adams again for mayor, seems to me that I'd be a slam dunk. But it turns out mm. that you contacted me yesterday. Yes. Now, right. the guy happens to be a friend of mine, but he's on a rival station. Yes. He's going to be the guy? No. Nope. Right out of the box, after being away for vacation, Mark Simone at WOR uh, endorsed Curtis Lee for mayor. He said, I, I did it the last time. I warned all of you what Eric Adams would be. And every day he would say... I'm supporting Curtis Lee for mayor. I would hear it from people in the streets. Now, in terms of everybody here at WABC, Mark Simone, every day, Curtis Lee for mayor. That's that's two years ago. And already he announced yesterday. Good man. Curtis Lee for mayor. So Always now I got like a him. campaign manager. <laughs> yeah. That's you. Satan. Right. And don't try to wiggle your way out of this. <laughs> okay. And then at WOR, and Mark Simone, the number one guy at WOR. What a great start. That's a pretty good one-two punch, uh, Rosenberg and Simone. All right, you mentioned that uh, they dropped these migrants off in New Jersey. And as you know, the Rosenberg family, Sidney, Danielle, Ava, and Gabriel, spent a uh, small portion of our Christmas, New Year's holiday in the great state of New Jersey at the beautiful Crystal Springs Resort which I highly recommend to any New Yorker, New Jersey, Connecticut person. Don't got to go to Florida. They've got great restaurants, amazing activities. The rooms are gorgeous. Chris Mulvihill and Susan do a terrific job, and we love it. We've gone there now twice. We're going to go again soon in the spring. It's a lovely place, but you're telling me that there's some big history there. Oh, my God. I was there at Crystal Springs one weekend many years ago. You're absolutely right. It's fabulous. But when you drive through the area of Sussex and Sparta, you mentioned how George, the, our FBI former director. George Feed lives in Sparta. Yeah. Well, I saw of, his house. A lot of people do. <laughs> he was probably hanging out at U Hefner's Playboy Club Hotel in Great Gorge. They had a Playboy Club Hotel oh, in, that's Great Gorge, in Great Gorge. Right on the hill. How far is Great Gorge from the Vernon Resort? Township? Sussex County, Vernon Township, right there. And my favorite place in all of Sussex County, western New Jersey, was Traction Park, a.k.a. Action Park, which had the wildest rides. I was there many times. Six deaths they had, deadly yeah, rides. I remember, water park. The and, tidal yeah. wave pool, the canyon <laughs> cliff jump, the cannonball loop, the yes. cliff dive, the yes. alpine slide, scars, stitches, and wipeouts. A liability nightmare for the guy who owned it, and yet people would come back and they'd line up again. Oh, I did. I went there many times. That was right there. 
Yeah, I forgot where it right was. There is Vernon I, I Township like, off I ninety four. Like Great Adventure, I think is uh, down by uh, where Springsteen. Oh, was. that's nothing. This is Action no Action Park, Park was oh, great. I love Action Park. Park. It's right there. The ambulances would be lined <laughs> up. The slip and fall lawyers would be lined up. Oh, Jacopina and Arthur Idala could have made a career just standing outside. <laughs> Somebody that would just announce in a tidal wave poop. A young man just died in Paris. And people would line up against, I'm going in that tidal wave pool. <laughs> the lines would go on forever. Oh, I said, how can this guy afford it? So between you have to having the Playboy Club there in Great Gorge and Vernon Township, and then Traction Park, Action Park, and then across in New York State, Florida, New York, downtown Florida, New York, where the Colombo crime family used to go. Which is right by Goshen, New York, right. and not far from Middletown and Monticello. So when the FBI, forever busting Italians at that time, were after the Colombo crime family, they knew to go right into downtown Florida, lived there. Nobody saw anything. Polish farmers growing the onions in the black dirt. Jimmy Stir, who had the biggest Polish poker band, all Irish, and the Colombo crime family, everyone related to Joe Colombo, was living right there, hiding out from the FBI. I wonder if our guy George knows that. Oh, I love that area. Sparta, Sussex County, Vernon Township. And you know how many listeners we have from WABC out in western New Jersey? It's Megaland for WABC. Oh, if they could only bring back Traction Park, a.k.a. Action Park. It was actually more dangerous than the subway system in the streets of New York City now as we come into the year 2024. I loved Action Park. And every macho, maniacal guy out there said, oh, forget going to Aspen. Forget going to Stowe, Vermont. Let's go to Action Park where we risk life and death on every ride. Remember the tidal wave, the cannon cliff jump, cannonball loop, cliff dive, alpine slide, scar stitches, and wipeouts galore. Come to Action Park. Not one, but two shout-outs from Donald Trump on Saturday night at Cipriani Wall Street. He's Sid Rosenberg. You know that, Sid, right? There is a slight difference. If you want, we can talk about it, but let's not bore the audience. And this... I could be indictment-proof right now. I don't think they can do it, Sid. I don't think they can do it. Is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Hump Day Wednesday morning. Been a great show already. Arthur Idala, Curtis Slee were both terrific, and man, 
We've got a great guest list still to come on this Wednesday, including former ESPN anchor, the lovely Sage Steele. Janine Pirro is now going to be on this show every Wednesday. Every Wednesday at 9.15. She starts that today. Peter King is coming up next. And the great one coming up at 8.40, Mark Levin. All that coming up today. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Tonight we are now broadcasting from my new home, the great free state of Florida. Like so many Americans, I left New York for good and am now in the state with, let's see, warmer weather, law and order, better education, more freedom, uh, better quality of life, and guess what? No state income tax. news for you, Mayor Eric Adams, based on that news report that we just played. Bob Brown, one of our fine news reporters here, led by Noam Layden. You've got Philippe and you've got uh, Brown and a whole bunch of fine people talking about people leaving New York. And Adams was like, well, COVID, <laughs> long past COVID, and they are still leaving in big numbers. I understand shootings were down, murders were down, and that's good. Good job by the police department, the NYPD, and Eric Adams but the quality of life in this city is garbage. It's absolute garbage. The city stinks. It's filthy. It's dirty. There are more stores for rent than I can ever remember in my life. I don't care what Corey Zell, Nichols, Suzanne Miller tell me. It's a mess. It's a mess. The taxes are out of control. And the crime, even though the numbers are going down, is still way too high. So there's Sean Hannity. He's the latest multi-multi-millionaire to say, no, thanks. I can live down there by Trump and where Rush Limbaugh used to live and Howard there in Palm Beach or wherever it is. No state income tax, beautiful weather, no homeless littering the streets, none of that. And it's true because I lived there for 16 years. I lived in Boca Raton. It is nothing like this. Nothing like this. Again, run by a Republican where New York is run by Adams and Hochul Democrats. So, talking about Sean Hannity leaving Long Island, my next guest is Mr. Long Island, spent the better part of four decades distinguishing himself as one of the best politicians, him and Giuliani, in my lifetime out of Nassau County. He's a great congressman, Homeland Security, and now WABC star Pete King. Peter, Happy New Year, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. Happy New Year to you and Danielle and Ava and Gabe. Thank uh, you. A great way to start the year. Thank you, and uh, you too, you and Rosemarie and uh, your lovely kids, Sean and Aaron. So uh, Hannity's out of there. I think he lived in Nassau County. You would know better than me, but he announced last night he's the latest to leave New York. And I know Nassau County is still a beautiful place, and really Long Island, you guys do a much better job than any of the boroughs, but they're leaving Long Island too. I mean, New York is just becoming impossible despite what Eric Adams continues to say. Can you argue that? No, listen, I mean, it, you know, things are going bad. I give, uh, you know, Bruce Blakeman tremendous credit here in Nassau County, Ed Romaine now coming into Suffolk County. Republicans are going to do all they can to, to hold it down, but I can see why people are moving out. Now, as far as Sean Hannity, actually, I think he grew up and lived in Nassau. I think he's been in Suffolk probably for the last 10 years or so. No, but a lot of people move. Like my daughter, she's down in North Carolina, not because she wanted to, but her husband's job was transferred down there, and she was going to be able to do 
I work virtually from North Carolina. So there's so many people like that. And then also others, people let's say, who are able to retire in their early 60s. They are moving to North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, obviously. And listen, I'm, I'm never going to leave New York. I love it. I love the whole lifestyle of New York, the, you know, the, the action. Having said that, you're right. I mean, it's, it's much dirtier. And as far as the crime, it's really wrong to say, you know, not you saying, you know, uh, and the mayor saying our crime has gone down. It's still much higher than what it was four years ago. I mean, that's, that's the reality. I mean, we're saying, okay, it's not as bad as last year, but it's much worse than it was just, you know, just four years ago. And the cops can only do so much because their hands are being tied. So, no, this is a uh, – I was really disappointed in last year's race. I mean, not only did Lee Zeldin, you know, run a good campaign, and he was a really a good alternative, but to see, like, the New York City, Hochul got 70% of the vote after all that was going on in New York, after you know, the crime and the dirt and everything else, still – she got 70%. So maybe you say, you know, people deserve what they get, but it's, uh, we have to, you know, you know, keep this fight going. And you got people like, you know, Joe, Joe Borelli, a Democrat like Bob Holden. We have uh council like Ian Vernikoff. But having said that, it's almost like, uh, you know, being in Berlin during the Cold War, you're surrounded <laughs> by the enemy everywhere. No, it's true. And, you know, John Katsimatidis, uh, we love John. He says the same thing. He's not leaving. But let's be honest, okay? John's in his 70s, him and Margo, and his uh, two children, lovely children, AJ and John Jr., are not home anymore. So it's a little different. Same thing with you. You know, you're an older guy now. Not old, not old, but older. Sean and Aaron yeah, are both right. out of the house. Right. 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 So, and, and even me. I mean, I've got Gabriel at home. But if I was a young guy, you know, if you rewound the clock for me 10 years ago, when we did live in Florida, me and Danielle, and Ava and Gabe are still home, you got to be crazy to live here. And Long Island is gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. Jersey's gorgeous. Where I live is gorgeous out there in Queens. you got to be crazy to raise a family here. you got beautiful weather. No income tax, much better education. They're not learning about, uh, you know, CRT down in Florida. They're not bombarding those kids with slavery 18 hours a day. Why would any young family, not Peter King or John Katsimatidis, raise their kids here? You know, uh, let me put it in a plug for Nassau County. It really is an oasis or a fortress, no matter what you want to describe it. I mean, the schools are good. The streets are safe. we got a great police commissioner in Pat Ryder. And same as Suffolk County. Uh, so it, and we are holding out. But if we let our guard down, then you're going to see people leaving Nassau County in bigger numbers, too. But the fact is that uh, right now we are holding tight. Uh, we saw it in you know, the results last uh, November. The Republicans swept almost everything under Joe Cairo's leadership. Hopefully we can win the congressional race on February 13th. But, no, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, uh, we are really fighting like a rear guard action here. Other parts of the country, they're just trying to keep things sort of the way they are. We have to not just keep things where they are, but fight off what could be coming in. I mean, literally, you have the illegal migrants at the border of Nassau County. They're right there on the Queen side of the border at Creedmoor. I mean, that's how, you know, how close it is. Mm. Then you have the issues of crossover crime. So, uh, and Bruce has made it clear, Bruce Blakeman has made it clear that he's not going to allow any of the illegal migrants into Nassau County. But that's going to be a tough fight. If they really start pushing us, it's going to be a tough fight. Pat Wright is out there all the time monitoring what's happening. Uh, we'll be able to keep demonstrations under control. But I would just say to people in Nestor and Suffolk County, we can keep it the way it is. It's great to stay here, but we can't let our guard down for a minute. As far as New York City, listen, I was uh, you know, uh, born in Manhattan, raised in Queens, went to school in Brooklyn. I consider myself a diehard New Yorker. I was a Brooklyn Dodger fan, Mets fan. I go back with the Rangers in the days of Gump Horsley, the Giants in the days of Charlie <laughs> Connolly. So, I mean, I'm really into New York. But having said that, uh, when I see it slipping away, New York City, I, 
I'm only in the city a few days a week, but you see the difference every time you walk yep. the streets in the yep. city. No, there's no doubt. This is uh, the great congressman, Peter King. So you mentioned the big congressional race coming up. It's uh, February 13th, my baby sister Elizabeth's birthday, the day before Valentine's Day. And Mazzy Pillip, who I did invite on the show, uh, based on your request, Peter, I did invite her on. I've not heard back yet from her guy. That's fine. She's going to take on Tom Swazi. And i got to tell you, this is very anecdotal. It's just me. And I don't speak for everybody. But most people that I speak to, and don't forget, most people I speak to are Republicans, right. are really nervous she's going to lose this. That Swazi has, uh, you know, a pretty big following out there on Long Island. He's a liar, too, by the way. And he flip-flopped on this show with me and Bernie, the whole parental act, don't call him gay deal with Ron DeSantis down in Florida. But he's got, you know, he's been there many years. He's won there. And he's got a pretty loyal following. So I will tell you that the word on the street is not very, very optimistic about Mazzy. You're going to tell me different, right? Yeah, I am. I, listen, I think she has superstar potential. I think she's proven herself in, in the last two races. She took those, that seat in Great Neck in the county legislature, which had never, ever been won by a Republican. She won it the first time in 2021. She won it by much bigger numbers in 2023. She campaigns all over for other, other Republicans. No, she is doing, I think she, she I'm, I'm confident you know, she's going to win. And Tom Swazi, he has experience, but he's also been around a long time. And people can say, it's the same old face. We want change. And the areas where this congressional race is being run are where Joe Cairo and the Republicans did exceptionally well just you know, two months ago in the, uh, on Election Day. So now we're in, uh, it's going to be a tough fight, but I, I am confident we're going to win. I have great confidence in Mozzie. I really come to know her and like her and think she's terrific. Her husband's great. She's got seven kids. They're all like, well-behaved, happy kids. Mozzie is always on, on top of the game. So I think people are going to see, uh, as this emerges, they're going to see a superstar coming. A superstar who's going to be grounded, though. Any woman who has seven kids and does the work <laughs> in, 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 you know, in the community. I'm going to tell you a story about her. I mean, I first met her a couple of years ago. And then she's running for election, and she already had five kids. In the first week in October, she had twins. Two weeks later, she's back campaigning at the train station. Wow! I mean, she is a you know, she's a workhorse. No, she so sounds like, she, she sounds very impressive. But uh, are you still spending your time convincing constituents that she's a Republican? Because I'm still getting text messages. Still, why is this lady uh, running as a Republican when she's a registered Democrat? You know, it's really a question of party registration. She can switch at any time she wants. If we had asked her to, she would have. But to me, her, her record is 100% Republican. She's never done anything for the Democrats, never been involved in Democratic politics or Democratic causes. As Republican on the county, uh, as, as a, uh, an elected official on the county legislature, she voted with Republicans 100% of the time. She's a strong support. She's pro-police. She's anti-illegal migrant. We can go up and down the line. She uh, is, is against raising taxes. So she is as conservative as any Republican we've ever had in Nassau County. And again, she came in as a, uh, a legal immigrant. And people in her community, they're all registered Democrats. So that, that was really it. But having said that, she's never done anything for the Democrats that I'm aware of. So in wrapping this uh, great conversation up, another great one to start of 2024 with my man Pete King. The Israelis took out the number two guy in charge of Hamas. Uh, Israeli drones took him out, killed seven Hamas folks. But this guy was a big deal, big fish. And now you keep hearing, wow, now the war is going to escalate because they were worried about the north as it is. And now with this bombing in Beirut, 
Now you're pretty much guaranteed the escalation. So if you were still there where you were with Homeland Security every day, and we've heard the FBI Director uh, Christopher Ray say time and time again, this may be the most dangerous time ever, even worse than 9-11. How are you feeling this morning after Israel's latest major hit? Well, listen, it might be more dangerous. But on the other hand, it would be more dangerous than that if Israel doesn't take the action that it does. I fully support what Israel was doing. Maybe in the short term, okay, it's a little bit more risky. But if Israel pulls back at all, if they allow Hamas to continue, if they allow Hezbollah to continue to attack, if Iran continues to be untouched, uh, we're going to have greater, greater terror threats going just uh, uh, several months from now. So, no, and for the long term and the short term, Israel's got to continue doing what it's doing. We can't be constantly criticizing Netanyahu and the Israelis and somehow forgetting what happened on October 7th. And listen, if it was just one tragedy, okay, that's horrible. But the fact is it would happen many, many more times. If that was it, if you knew it was going to be over on October 7th and never happen again, you can make an argument, okay, it's time to end the war. But you know as soon as the war is ended, Hamas is going to try to reinvigorate and start again. Iran is going to feel more confident. So Israel has to do what it has to do. And the United States, for its own survival, has to stand behind Israel. Even if it weren't Israel, if we had a country in that position doing what Israel was doing, we have to stand with them. The fact that we do have an emotional commitment to Israel besides only adds to it. But having said that, I wouldn't care what they were or who they were. If they were doing what Israel was doing now under the circumstances, we would support them a thousand percent. Peter King, you are a treasure. It's uh, great to have you back. Your first appearance of 2024. Look forward to another great year with you, not just here on the show, but dinner at Gargiulio's and Met Games and Cyclone Games and all that fun stuff. So Happy New Year once again to you, Rosemary, Aaron, and Sean. And I look forward to a great year with you right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Thank you. Happy New Year, Sid. Happy New Year, Peter. Love that guy, the great congressman. This guy is a real treasure. I mean, I say this all the time. In my lifetime, the two best local politicians by a distance, Rudy Giuliani and Peter King. And he's a wonderful guy, too. You may not always agree with him. I get this rhino stuff all the time. And a lot of you folks are still angry because you believe Philip is a Democrat. And fine. Pete King's a good man. New York needed Keith Pete King, and quite frankly, New York needs him again. Anyway, hour number three, it's a huge hour about to come your way. The great one, Mark Levin. He's coming up at 840. Keep it right here. Sometimes if I shout, it's not what's intended. These words just come out. No cross to bear. Sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words. I know they go sound the way I planned them to be. Promise. But if you wait around a while, I'll make you hopefully. I promise. I promise you. I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words to say. Promise. I know they go sound the way I planned them to be. Promise. And if I
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. This life of the ground. Dr. Shelley Borgia at the New York Hearing Associates. And I'm a vain guy. I mean, I pride myself on my appearance. I mean, I'm not Brad Pitt. I get it. I'm not gorgeous. I get it. But I think as I near the age of 57, I look better than most guys my age. I keep myself in pretty good shape. In fact, I have a great body. Tan and I dress nicely and... Part of the reason why tomorrow I'll be on the set of my newest movie role. Taping three days in New York starting tomorrow, and then another one coming up in Los Angeles later this month. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm vain, I guess. I don't know. And I've got the, I've got these hearing aids and, well, you can't see them. They're shoved all the way in my ear canal. Basically ear dildos. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you can't see them. And they last about two months. So the doctor, she tells me all the time, she goes, Sid, when you get to like six, seven weeks, it's really in your best interest to come by and have them replaced. And they're great. These are the best hearing aids on the market. In fact, they used to do the commercials, and maybe we'll do them again. I don't know. But regardless, these are the best on the market. But you got to go back every six or seven weeks, and I never do. So, like, for example, these in my ears right now been in for like three months. So when I was in Puerto Rico a couple of weeks ago or at Crystal Springs, if, God forbid, one or two of these goes out, I'm dead. I can't hear a thing. A thing. So every day I wake up and I'm like, they're still working, but I still don't go and get them replaced. I mean, that's how stupid I am. You don't hear anyway well, even with those. No, I don't. I don't. But I can hear. Without these, I can't hear anything. Yeah. But I'm talking to you when we're looking at each other. Yeah. You're looking at me. Then you make a quizzical well, face. Well, that's true, yeah. you turn no. your face and you go, well, then don't I, talk I, to me then. Jeez, that's part of the problem. I like guys. People should just stop talking to me. It's hard enough to, to carry on a conversation. I really can't hear you. That's true. I don't talk to you as much. I don't. This is the most talking we ever do. No, no. We, we take a lot of car rides together lately. Yeah, I know. But a lot of it is, hey, that's a great song. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah you're song. right about that. That's it. I'm going to call. Uh, let me call somebody. Gonna... <laughs> that's a lot of no, you're right. On. Well, today I'm going to go and get surprised. these uh, damn things replaced because now I'm really. I mean, I sneezed at the break and I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, the, the right one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have hearing aids. I've got ear dildos. <laughs> they call them EDs in the business. 
So I'm going to go see uh, the doctor today. You know, um, one of the things that Bernard used to always say, God rest his soul, I love him, miss him. I'm still talking about Bernie. The guy's been dead forever. I'm still talking about him. But he, um, he's been dead forever. Forever. I mean, God. <laughs> what is it, like the Dead Sea Scrolls? Well, you know, he hasn't been on this show in like two years. I mean, it's not like a couple of months at this point. But I still love him. I still miss him. And he used to always get really excited when he would get, quote, unquote, validated. You remember how many times he would say, you know, it feels good for people to validate what I'm saying. And that happens with me all the time, I, and I don't um, point it out every time. It's almost every time. Like, for example, everybody that has come to this crashing realization about these horrific rapes in Israel that you're hearing about now almost every day, folks, October 9th, I invite you to go back and listen to the podcast of this show, Monday, October 9th, my first day after the October 7th attacks. That's all I talked about were the young girls being raped upwards of 20 times a day by different men. You remember that. So I've been validated there, but here's another great one. So I get a text yesterday from Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review. And he says, i got to give you credit, the Washington Post has a story up today, and they're saying what you've been saying about Donald Trump for eight months. I said, really? So then he sent me what the Washington Post said. But before I read that to you, I'm going to play something for you where I brought it up just a couple of weeks ago on this show. (laughs) (laughs) With Steve Bannon, we announced earlier this morning, Steve Bannon now on this show, 840 every Monday morning. We added Judge Jeanine Pirro today, Wednesdays at 915. Steve Bannon, 840 every Monday to our regular list of regulars. So I brought this up to Bannon, which the Washington Post actually published yesterday. This is weeks ago. That's funny that which Lowry left. Uh, this would be number 16. And I've been saying this for eight months. When you look back and try to figure out what was it that propelled Donald Trump to this huge lead in both the primary and the possibility of going up against Joe Biden. What was it? I've been saying it for eight months. I know I'm right. Me and Bannon cut number 16. The caucus is now Steve Bannon just a couple of weeks away, you know, for months and months. Because i got to tell you, and I, I, I stick by this. Look, Trump did not have a very good last December. He just didn't, right? The dinner, the Kanye West, uh, the Constitution. All this. I believe, I really believe this. I thought it was a genius move by Donald Trump. A, because it was a great political move. But B, because he actually cares. Like, Donald Trump has heart. He actually cares. When he stepped foot, Steve Bannon, in East Palestine, Ohio, while Biden was taking pictures with Zelensky out in the garden, I said that day, I said, here comes Trump, because America just found a guy that cares. That's why your show uh, ought to be nationwide. I mean, that's the pivot point. When he went to East Palestine, it was the it was the uh, it was the uh, it was the difference in the whole thing to show that, hey. I'm with the American people. And, and by the way, Biden has never gone. Biden is still never gone. And the place wow. is a mess. So everybody's talking about the indictments. It was the indictments. It was this. No, it was not. It all started with because it was that was the case for me because I was pissed at Trump last December. Sat down with Kanye West. Kanye West is about as big as an anti-Semite as you'll ever find. And that Nazi. And I know it wasn't Trump's fault. They walked him over to his table. wasn't his fault, but I was pissed. But I remember living in Battery Park, out of my house, 
on a cold day, Donald Trump buying hamburgers, handing out water to people that to this day are still glowing in the dark, God bless him. And I said, that guy, he cares about America. The president right now is in the Rose Garden taking pictures in the Ukraine with that corrupt crook, Zelensky, because that's all he is. I don't care what Peter King or anybody else says. He is corrupt. He's no good. Trump went to Ohio, and that was it. So the Washington Post yesterday, yesterday, which Lowry sends me this, writes this. AIDS felt a turning point last February when Trump visited the site of a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. The trip, including an unscheduled stop at a McDonald's, showcased Trump's projecting leadership, drawing a contrast to Biden, who was in the Ukraine, while Trump was glad-handing adoring fans. The campaign started departing from the well-worn format of mega rallies and organizing smaller-scale events, putting Donald Trump in closer proximity to his supporters and creating scarcity with lines out the door. So congratulations once again to me. I'm just a dopey radio guy, not the brightest bulb on the tree, but time and time again, for a guy that talked about Eli Manning, Carmelo Anthony, Phil Sims, and Mark Messier for years, time and time again, I'm right. It's just common sense. <laughs> Thank you, Rich Lowry. Uh, like this Claudine Gay character. This isn't a win, really. I mean, yeah, she's no longer the president, so I guess it's a title win. But she wasn't fired. Yay. Claudine. Yay. That's from the Neil Rogers Show, folks. You know, the lady at uh, Pennsylvania, McGill, same thing. Oh, McGill resigned. Oh, really? You know, McGill is still getting paid very handsomely by the University of Pennsylvania. So Claudine Gay. Yay. Steps down yesterday, screaming racial animus, as most black people do when they get fired. That's how it works. God forbid somebody actually screws up. No, the I like guys. No, God, right. So she uh, she resigns, but do you know how much money Claudine Yay. makes? $900,000. Makes more than me. $900,000. You're gay. And guess how much of that money Claudine Gay is going to receive after her resignation, moving forward. All of it. So, yeah, it's nice. They resigned. They're not the president. But both of these ladies, McGill at Pennsylvania and Gay at Harvard, are making a ton of money. A lot more than most of you listening in your cars right now. And that was not taken away. Plus, how many months has it been or weeks since Claudine had that awful performance on the Hill where Elise Stefanik just buried her, that now all of a sudden, because of these plagiarism charges, Miss Gay has decided to step down? (laughs) Here's Elise Stefanik on Fox talking about these three university presidents and how morally bankrupt our whole system is. Cut one. 
all three university presidents gave morally bankrupt testimony at the now infamous congressional hearing to a very specific moral question. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate your university's code of conduct? And one after the other, whether it was MIT, Penn, or Harvard, failed to answer that correctly. Instead, bringing up it depends on the context. As you played earlier, it does not depend on the context. And as a Harvard graduate myself, we have seen a failure of leadership from Claudine Gay, a failure of moral leadership, but also a failure of academic integrity, Yay. which is a cornerstone of any higher education institution. So I called for her resignation, as I did for all three, because of their abject failure in that congressional testimony and their Yay. failure to protect Jewish students. This is long overdue. It should not have taken the Harvard Corporation Board this long to demand her resignation. And I believe, as we continue our congressional investigation, that we will uncover what will be the greatest scandal in higher education because the Harvard Corporation members themselves are complicit in this cover-up of her plagiarism and, again, most importantly, their failure to protect Jewish students on campus. So my man Alan Dershowitz, who I believe um, doesn't anymore, but he was a professor at Harvard. You know, Joe Takapina uh, was there yesterday teaching. Though de Blasio teaches there, Dershowitz used to teach there. He was on with uh, my man John Katzimatidis and Weta yesterday. And he said that uh, Claudine Gay was forced out. I mean, again, forced out, she's making $900,000. But there's still a big problem here. Alan Dershowitz, courtesy of Katz and Cosby, cut number four. Well, she was forced out. There's no question that she began to lose the support of some board members. And without unanimity, she really couldn't stay on. But this is only the beginning. She's still left behind the legacy that got her appointed, DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, which is the opposite of meritocracy and the opposite of uh, judging people on the merits. And so unless we can get rid of this uh, bureaucracy, uh, in which the world is divided into two groups, the oppressed and the oppressors, and the oppressed can do no wrong and the oppressors can do no right, we're still going to have a problem. She was a symptom of that, but the big problems still exist. Talking about big problems, New York City, Mayor Eric Adams all over the place yesterday, and you know, Pete King was just saying that crime number is being down. Well, that's great. And they are down, murders are down, shootings are down, but they're still up from where they were just four years ago. Way up. They may be down from last year, but nobody feels safe in New York. I don't care what numbers. The NYPD, and I love Eddie Caban. I love him. Love Eddie Caban. Love Mike Kemper. Love a lot of guys who work for the NYPD. Love them all. Love all of them. Paul DiGiacomo can tell you that. But um, they're not making as many as arrests as they were before. And the truth is, New Yorkers don't feel safe. And if you don't think that perception is part of the problem, then you're an idiot. Bottom line, and the streets are a mess, and you got these uh, animals that walk up and down our streets every day, these pro-Palestinian, pro-murder animals. You got homeless, you got migrants, you got dirt, you got filth. It's gross. It's absolutely gross. This is no time for anybody to beat their chests and start calling folks from other states, like, for example, the governor of Texas or the governor of Florida, any names at all. Because last I checked, their cities and their states run a heck of a lot smoother than the mess we've got here. So Adams was out there all day yesterday once again, maligning Governor Abbott and 
talking about how great New York is and we're not going to be bullied and we're doing the right thing. What right thing? The problem with Adams is he doesn't know the difference, and I like Eric, but he doesn't know the difference between right to shelter and sanctuary city. He doesn't know. He's effing lost. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's destroying this city, destroying it every day. He's destroying the city. He's not doing the right thing by New Yorkers. Who is Eric Adams doing the right thing by? You ready for the answer? The Democrats. Eric Adams, once again yesterday, given the opportunity to call out Joe Biden by name, didn't do it. These are the two words he uses instead of Joe Biden. You ready? Federal government. National government. Joe Biden's policy, yes, was the start of all this. And Adams made a bad problem significantly worse. And what does he do last week? He comes out and he publicly supports Joe Biden in the presidential race. Why would you do that, numbskull? If you claim the federal government, led by Biden, is destroying your city, why would you lend him any support at all? You don't have to support Donald Trump. Support nobody. He did the same thing with Kathy Hochul. He bitched and complained about bail reform. Well, I went to Albany and Carl Hastie shut the door in my face. And Stuart Cousins shut the door in my face. But I love Kathy Hochul. What do you mean you love Kathy Hochul? You can't have it both ways, Eric. You can't blame the quote-unquote federal government and tell us you're all in for Joe Biden. How stupid is that? The migrant crisis created by Joe Biden has made, has been made, I should say, exponentially worse by you. It's not our fault we want you to turn the buses around. You can do that. So play these uh, Adams cuts here. There's a bunch of them. Start with uh, number six, where he calls Governor Abbott a bully. I mean, shut up with that, Eric, seriously. Don't worry about Governor Abbott or Governor DeSantis or anybody else. You have about 10% of their problem. For all the issues we've got with migrants, they are inundated. they got more in one city than we do in this whole damn state. And they're finding a way to keep their constituents and their people happy. Your people here are miserable. We're miserable. Here's Adams yesterday saying you're not going to bully New York City. Cut number six. Governor of Texas continues continuously state that well you guys are a sanctuary city, you know that has nothing to do with this. These people are paroled into the country; they're legally here, and being a sanctuary city is has nothing to do with this at all. These are people who are paroling, paroled into the country. What does that mean, Eric? Here, what are they criminals? Uh, we are obligated by what the city has pushed. And that's stop it right there. Now. Stop it right there. These people are paroled in. Last I checked, somebody on parole is a criminal. So even the way he's describing these migrants, he's basically saying these criminals are paroled in. And you know what, New York? Live with it. Tough. Because I'm humane. No, in this case, Eric, you're stupid. Play the rest. Governor of Texas continues continuously state 
that, well, you guys are a sanctuary city. You know, that has nothing to do with this. These people are paroled into the country. They're legally here. And being a sanctuary city has nothing to do with this at all. These are people who are paroling uh, into the country. And while they're here, (laughs) we are obligated by what the city has pushed. And that's why we're in court now to say that the right to shelter should not have an impact on this migrant crisis. Got it. Bizarre case of, of, of poker, where you say I'm going to exec- issue an executive order that's going to p- prevent only have buses coming in at a certain time, and he says I'll see that but that bid, and now I'm going to send him to New Jersey. I mean, how did it keeps going? Yeah, you 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 do until he throws in his hand. We're going to win because we're on the side of right. No, we're, not. we're on the side of right of uh, that human beings should not be treated in an inhumane okay. manner. And so he's not on the side of right. Our country has always been a country of immigrants, a country of rules and regulations, and we will utilize those rules and regulations to stop what he's doing <laughs> to cities in America. New York is a city where we fight bullies. Sure. And others are joining us. Who? Who's joining us? I'm curious. What great city? Chicago? Who? What great cities are joining us? Miami? I don't think so. Dallas? I don't think so. Chicago? Sure. Atlanta? Sure. Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles? These are great cities. They have as many tents with homeless living on certain blocks as they do actual residents. These are the cities that you're proud to be standing by us. We have become that. Shit. Excuse me. Sorry. Dump that. Dump that. Sorry. Anyway, a lot more to come, folks. Sage Steele, Janine Pirro, and uh, Mark Levin. Keep it right here. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Great song, alive and kicking. Tim McCarthy, the great radio genius, Tim McCarthy, loves the Oingo Boingo. So if you're listening to the show on the Internet, you heard me curse. I actually do. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've cursed more in the last two months than the first 24 years of my career. I think I've cursed already three times the last two months. I'm just so infuriated. I can't take the lies. I just can't take it. Stop lying to me. Stop it. Nonsense. Just because New Yorkers are dumb enough to believe it and vote Democrat, I'm not. I'm too smart for that. So I did curse, and if you're in your car, it may have sounded a bit jumbled, but that's because we have to dump it or lose and have to pay a very, very expensive fine. And yeah, I'm used to it. You've done it many times where I miss, so I'm sure. <laughs> Some of the things should yeah. have been dumped. <laughs> I'm sure. Hey, uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times this morning. We've added some new regulars. You know, we've got all these regulars that come on. For example, Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly on Thursdays, Andrew Giuliani, Joe Tacopina on Fridays, which Lowry on Mondays, Rudy Giuliani on Tuesdays, Pete King on Wednesdays. Well, now we added Judge Janine Pirro, who's a firecracker. I love her. She hot. She's coming on 915 today and every Wednesday. And uh, Steve Bannon, him and I have uh, put together this beautiful love affair, aided by Andrew Giuliani. started, of course, sitting together at that big dinner with Donald Trump. And uh, Mr. Bannon will now join me 840 every Monday morning. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. On your hump day, Tunnel to Towers, Wednesday morning here in New York City. Of course, 6 to 9 every weeknight on this station. We are fortunate to have, I believe, the biggest voice in the country, whether he's doing his three hours here or his great TV shows, Saturday and Sunday on Fox News. Mark Levine, and and one of the best things I did in 2023 was uh, restore that friendship because I have to tell you, the last couple of months, especially since the October 7th attacks, on and off the air, mostly off the air, Mark Levin has helped keep me sane. Text me quite a bit. I text him. And we have great conversations. You know, his wife, uh, Julie, had back surgery during the vacation. But yet she wrote one of the greatest columns you'll ever read. Forget about CRT. Forget about slavery, all the nonsense they inundate our kids with in New York City day in and day out. This column that she wrote, Miss Levin, you can't be a settler or occupier in your own land, should be mandatory reading material for every kid across this country so they get to know the history of Israel. It didn't start October the 7th with the Palestinians. It didn't start in the early 2000s either. In a long time. Anyway, with that said, here he is, the great one himself, my dear friend, Mark Levin. Mark, happy new year, buddy. How are you? My brother. You too. You know, we end every text with I love you. People are going to start to talk. <laughs> My wife already is. I tell uh, you I love you more than I tell her. But on a serious <laughs> note, it's true because uh, you've been great. You've been great for me. I, You know, I, 
I really took this hard October the 7th. I know a lot of folks in the media act as if, you know, but I took this really hard. A lot of the things that I enjoyed immensely October the 6th, I just don't anymore. And you do too. So this is all very, very sincere. And it's not getting any better. I have to tell you, I feel like it's getting worse, Mark Levin. Well, it is getting worse. The South African government uh, is a Jew-hating government. Uh, they're going to The Hague to get Israel prosecuted for genocide. You can believe that. Uh, and that case is opening, and Netanyahu's trying to get Dershowitz to argue on behalf of the state of Israel. I think people need to realize that tiny little speck in the middle of these genocidal regimes. They're either monarchies, dictatorships, Islamic regimes. There's not a single democracy or republic among them, and they never intend to be. They kill their own people. They lock up their own people. They torture their own people. They rape their own people. And there's a lot of Islamophobia going on in the Middle East, Muslim against Muslim. But people need to realize, you know, a lot of some folks say, you know, why does this matter to us? I don't know. Bethlehem's in the Middle East. Wasn't Jesus born in Bethlehem? Yeah. Uh, Abraham, Moses. The history of Western civilization started in the Middle East. And there's only one country that's defending it with its own lives. And that's the state of Israel. All the Jews that used to be throughout the Middle East are gone. All the Christians, pretty much, that used to be out the Middle East are gone. And so this is an effort to clean out the Middle East, to purify, quote-unquote, the Middle East. And they want to do it in the rest of the world, too. I don't understand this. These same Islamists that want to destroy the Jews in Israel attacked us on 9-11. It's the same ideology, the same group of uh, fanatics. You can see them in our own streets. You can see how they're changing our own country, our universities and colleges. It's, it, it is a disaster. This is a throwback to the 7th century, not even the 9th century, the 7th century. And we either stand up to it or it's going to devour us, including in our own country, because we're weak. We are so weak. We're weak. We're so weak. We don't even assimilate people, Sid, anymore into our own culture. No. We've surrendered our culture. You know what's frustrating to me, too, Mark, is that people are so ignorant. They don't do their homework. They don't watch Mark Levin on Fox News or listen to us on this station. And they go, I don't like the Jews, so I'm okay with this. Well, let's say that's true. You don't like the Jews. Well, that makes you an anti-Semite and a bad person, but okay, fine. If you're a Christian, if you're watching the news... They are also killing Christians all over the world, including in the Middle East. It's not just Jews. It's Christians, too. So my question is, where is the support from the non-Jews who are also being slaughtered all over the world? Let me tell you a secret. The evangelical Christians are more supportive of Israel than the liberal, secularist, self-hating Jews. And I mean this strongly, and they're all over the media. You can see it particularly on CNN. And I raised a question about a couple of them over there, and I was called an anti-Semite. <laughs> it's the most hilarious thing how sick these people are. <laughs> and uh, uh, but they take Hamas. I just wrote a piece, I read a piece on Yahoo News. Twenty-two thousand Palestinians have been killed. They say, and they even cite the Hamas health network. Who the hell cites a terrorist organization <laughs> for statistics? And they keep doing it day after day, week after week. And then I should mention something that's a little inside baseball, but your audience might be interested. The left in our country, like the left in Israel, they're nuts. They're absolute Marxist kooks. And they're trying to overthrow Netanyahu in the middle of this war. 
and they claim democracy when the judiciary in Israel is an oligarchy. Do you know the judges, the justices on the Supreme Court of Israel voted eight to seven two days ago that their parliament has no say at all yep. in the court system there? And do, do the people in our audiences know this is the only Supreme Court in the free world that appoints its own members, that confirms its own members, and says there's not a damn thing the elected elements of that society can do. And the left in our country and in that country, and the media is so horrendous, says that Netanyahu is trying to destroy the independence of the mm. judiciary. It's a judicial tyranny over there. Yeah, I, I did see the uh, the political story, which you sent to me, too. Thank you again, Mark Levin, uh, that, that talked about all of that. No paywall. I remember that, too. But, uh, you know, Netanyahu yeah. has been coming under fire everywhere. Now, look, I can't act as if I know. I mean, we're both parents, Mark, and I couldn't imagine my child being held hostage. If God forbid that was the case, I may be on their side. But it's not my story, okay? My story is I want Israel to just demolish these people and destroy Gaza if they have to. But the parents don't feel the same, and they have been in the streets. They have been in the streets protesting Benjamin Netanyahu. And I have to tell you that that disappoints me. I know when this is all said and done, whenever it is, whenever it is, that he may be on his way out. But right now, to protest Netanyahu is a bit much, no? Well, you know, I was telling my audience last night, uh, four members of my family and I watched Tor, Tor, Tor two nights ago. It's a great movie about the attack on Pearl Harbor. I don't remember the outrage against FDR when we got attacked. The outrage was focused on the Japanese for what they did to us. Despite all the incredible incompetence up and down the military chain, the diplomatic chain, uh, which was outrageous. The signs were there over and over and over again. And FDR is celebrated to this day as his marshal, as were most of the generals at the time. The focus is supposed to, and I don't remember us taking off on George W. Bush after 9-11 either, 11 months into his presidency. So I, I, I think, let, let me give you a historical analogy. The Second Temple fell, and while the Romans were sieging the Second Temple, trying to blow out the Jews, the Jews in the Second Temple were fighting each other. They were fighting each other and killing each other while the Romans were fighting to take over the Temple. This is this is what happens when a and by the way, our own country, we're fighting among ourselves while the communist Chinese are preparing war against us. And they are and in little pieces, but they're definitely preparing for war against us. And what are we doing? We're fighting amongst ourselves. We're not we're not building up the defense budget and our security in anticipation of what they are planning, what we know they want to do. And this is how republics fall. It's how Rome fell. This is how Athens fell. And uh, it's very, very concerning to me. And when you watch our media, they're just propagandists for the Democrat Party, the hate Trump thing, day in and day out, day in and day out. They're like the shiny object that distracts us all the time. By the way, can I ask you a sports question? Absolutely. Sports guy. Sure. You know, I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't stand watching my Eagles anymore. It's like, what the hell happened to this team? Can you explain this to me? Well, you have to understand, Mark. I'm a diehard Giant fan, and uh, I hate the Eagles like we hate Hamas. <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest. So so I'm enjoying every second of it. I don't know. Jalen Hurts doesn't look the same. Uh, you know, they don't run the ball as well as they did last year. And defensively, they don't make big stops when they need to. But I, I have to admit I'm enjoying it. 
They yeah. can't stop anything in the middle of the field. I know. <laughs> I know. No, listen, I, I, I hate Dallas, too. So one of those two teams has to win that division. Right now, Dallas has the edge. If they beat Washington on Sunday, the Cowboys will win the NFC East. But uh, I don't think either one of those clubs will be there when it's all said and done. I still think that San Francisco will play Baltimore in the in the on the big one, the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, uh, right. talking about uh, our government yeah. here, I did watch. I made a major mistake, Mark Levin. I watched. Orion Seacrest for about an hour on New Year's Eve. Don't yell at me, but I did. And um, <laughs> so so I got this moron on. God bless him. I call him a moron. By the way, he's made millions and gazillions of dollars. Maybe I'm the moron. But he, um, he's got the president and his wife on, you know. And Biden looks really weird these days. His eyes are all slit. His face is all jaundice. And they're talking about, you know, ice cream and chocolate ice cream and chicken cutlet parmesan. And the New York Post came out with a story just a couple days ago. Well, they talked about the price of bread being up 19%. Just about everything you want to buy in the groceries up about 20%. They talked about the possibility of World War III, two world wars, uh, two wars going on right now, with a third, including China-Taiwan, as a real possibility. All these major, major, major issues. And yet, and yet, this imbecile is talking about ice cream with Ryan Seacrest, and there is still a healthy percentage of Americans that would vote for this guy Tomorrow, what am I missing? The country's collapsing. And I, I, I will tell you this, uh, they control the culture, whether it's the media, academia, uh, all these cultural institutions. I mean, you have a president of Harvard, and look how they uh, had the Praetorian Guard protecting her. She resigned because she is a liar, because she was a cheat, because she's a Jew hater, in my humble opinion. By the way, by the way, her, her resignation is not enough for me because the truth is her and the other animal from Pennsylvania are still making upwards of a million dollars and still getting paid. Oh, yeah. They just took her title away, and they're still paying. It's incredible. This entire college system and university system, the old Stalinist system, they have a whole hierarchy there. Again, they hire their own faculty. Their own faculty hires the faculty. Faculty appoints the Administrators, you and I and the rest of the people, we pay for this stuff. People pay tuition for this stuff. No oversight whatsoever. They claim academic freedom while they're destroying academic freedom. You know, I don't, you know, 2024, people people are excited. It's a new year. And I, I said last night, I have to throw a wet blanket on it, Sid. Just because there's a change in a calendar doesn't change what's going on in this country. Right. And we are... If you read what the founder said, if you look at what's happened to republics in the past, this is a country in decline, and we only have a few opportunities here to reverse course. And I'm telling you the truth. It's the truth. You can see our streets. You can see, you know, you had a teenager, 16 years old, two days ago, wearing a supporting IDF sweatshirt in a Paramus Mall or one of those malls, Rutherford, whatever it was, and she's attacked. And you have people attacking. You have people driving around in their cars, beeping their horns, carrying the Palestinian flag in the United States. You come to this country it used to be. You behave yourself. You have allegiance to this country. You're assimilated into our culture. But that's not what's happening in America anymore. With the open borders, we've destroyed the institutions that assimilate people, colleges, and pay through through twelve. The left controls this country. I call it American Marxism because it is. And and the rot is so deep because it's been ignored for half a century, really, that it's going to take 100 years to reverse course. But we have to begin the process. And if we lose this next election, 
it gets harder and harder and harder to reverse the process because they enshrine their ideology, they institutionalize their ideology, they populate the bureaucracy with their people, and so there's a complete gap between what we vote for and what they do. And so it's a big problem. Even your dog oh, is upset. So negative. No, I'm re- I, this is reality. No, I know. Listen, it, you laid it out perfectly, so it, it works out great because of all you just said, which was great. And like I said, even your dog is upset. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this one at you. Yeah, he gets pissed off very easily. <laughs> Like his old man. God bless her. With all that said, Mark Levin, what's more important? And you got to pick one. That Joe Biden loses or that Donald Trump wins? Well, I'm hoping they happen at the same time. Right. Uh, so, so I mean, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Well, Trump needs to win, and if he wins, he needs to put the right people in the right place to do the right thing. He'll have four years to do it. Don't worry about re-elections because you don't have to. Don't worry about the press because they're out to destroy us and him. Uh, I would immediately pardon myself if I were him on every count. I would pardon uh, the people around him on every count because we cannot have police state tactics by the Democrat Party and pretend that's upholding the Constitution. It's destroying the Constitution. And, uh, And I would put key people in key departments just like they do. I would put our people into the mid-level of the bureaucracy, just like they do. And I would do everything I could to reduce the size of the bureaucracy, reduce the size of government, uh, and just have people in there who are committed to this agenda. And so uh, the issue is going to be whether we can win this election, because even now, the high court in New York, the high court in Wisconsin, they're changing the whole redistricting system. Yep to try and ensure that the Republicans can't win the House of Representatives. He needs the House. He needs the Senate. And then I think we can make some begin to make some progress here. I'm sorry about the dog. No, part. the dog is fine. So in the final 30 seconds, then, because we want Trump to win badly, knowing that Nikki ran out on him and stabbed him in the back. She really did when she ran out him when she was uh, still working for Trump when he was in the White House. And she has spent the better part of her campaign doing nothing else but really bashing Donald Trump, knowing all that, but also knowing she gets a ton of money and those suburban housewives and all the people, the never Trumpers that love her. If you're Donald Trump, can you put all that aside? And would you put that aside and really consider making Nikki Haley your running mate? I wouldn't. Well, why is it assumed that she has this great draw in the suburbs? I haven't seen anything. I hear women now and then say it. But that's anecdotal. Look, she is George Bush in a dress. That's pretty much what she is. She is a rhino. She's an establishment Republican. Uh, she's taken 10 sides on the same issue. She gives China land for free. Now she's against China. She encourages the, the importation of Palestinians, and then she's against. She, uh, she's against Wall Street. Now she's uh, sucking up to it, and they're funding her, uh, her PACs and so forth. I don't trust her. I don't care if it's a she or a he or an in-between. It's time now to make a decision about individuals who we can rely on, not politics as usual, who we can rely on to do the right thing. And Nikki Haley, you read Pompeo's book, says this woman's not a team player. She's constantly looking for the next position. And so I fear leaks. I fear the same kind of stuff that would happen to Donald Trump that happened to him in the last administration. 
where he has these disgruntled employees who go off, who write books, who leak to the media to position themselves. No, I don't support her, and I don't trust her. And there's a lot of great – look, at least Stefanik. You want to you have a woman who's a conservative, who's principled? She's been fantastic. There's others, too. You don't have to rely on Nikki Haley. Can you tell me three main things Nikki Haley did as governor? The answer is no. Well, she did take down the Confederate flag, I believe. Yeah, that was very, very. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, listen, I'm with you. I, I can't stand Nikki Haley. I like Elise. I like Tulsi Gabbard. I would look at her. Uh, Nikki Haley, and you saw how I described her when I presented the question to you. I called her a yeah. backstabber. That's what she is. That's it. And, and if you ask, if you ask somebody, maybe the lady who calls you or whomever, say, why do you like Nikki Haley? They can't tell you why. No. No, they can't. It's all me. She's a media creation. I'm tired of it. Forget it. Well, I can tell you why I like you because you're you're brilliant and 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 loving and and I just love you to pieces. I, I loved uh, the last couple months of 2023. I'm really excited about our relationship in 2024, both on and off the air. So happy New Year, Mark Levin, to you, your beautiful family, and keep talking, brother. Because as far as I'm concerned, you're the most important voice in our nation. Thank you so much. Well, you're number one in New York for a reason. You're fabulous. And uh, is it, by the way, is this a marriage proposal? What are you, what are you saying now? Well, I mean, you, you love me, you love me. You love I, 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 is it legal in your state in Virginia? <laughs> Virginia's for lovers. Haven't you read our background uh, All right, well, All good. Right, I, I do love you. You're terrific. You God too. bless you, man. Thank you, Mark. Take care. There he is, the great Mark Levin, 6 to 9 every weeknight right here, the great one, Mark Levin on WABC. Got another great WABC talent coming up next. She'll be here every Wednesday at 9.15, Judge Janine Pirro. Yeah, Pirro and Sage Steele. Keep it right here. Friends in the morning. But you say be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I'm coming home from uh, Jersey a couple of days ago. Sure you did, Lou. I'm on the GW Bridge, and my phone rings, and it's George Santos. I show it to Danielle. I go, Santos is calling again. He likes to call me. He likes me. I think he thinks I'm cute. He liked my picture with Trump a couple weeks ago. Oh, that was fine. I actually like George Santos, and, and a part of me, not even a part of me, a lot of me wishes he still had that seat. I don't care what he did. But fine. Now i got to worry that there's some mazzy lady who Pete King swore by today on this show is going to beat Tom Swasey, which I don't think she's going to do. And we can't afford to lose any more congressional seats. And I can live with Santos's lying as long as he votes for American Israel, which he always does. And I'd be guilty if I said I didn't, I didn't kind of like the guy. I don't know. I get Botox, too. I, so now I just read that he wants to be the director of ICE, George Santos. I say hire him. Give that man a job. 
So we'll keep you updated. Maybe George will pop on tomorrow in between Napolitano and O'Reilly. So I told you this morning we've added two more regulars to our list, which is already an amazing list. That doesn't include Donald Trump, Laura Trump, those types of folks. We added Steve Bannon, 840 every Monday morning, and this lady, who I say it all the time, sorry, Jesse, sorry, Brian, sorry, all of you. She's the most talented performer. That's what she is. She's a performer on Fox News. She's on the five. She has a great show here every Sunday morning. She's the fiery, funny, and adorable Judge Janine Pirro. Happy New Year, baby. How are you? <laughs> Happy New Year's Eve. You're really going to make Santos the head of ice? I yeah, why not? Why not? Who yeah. cares? <laughs> you can't be any worse than uh, Mayorkas. And Mayorkas has right. already set the tone. you got to lie to it. I mean, that's the qualification. Right. You know? Perfect. He's perfect. Yeah. Why not? So I just had Mark Levin on, and we ended the conversation talking about uh, Nikki Haley. One thing that me, Levin, and Bannon all have in common is is that we don't like Nikki. Uh, we think she's a backstabber. I know she's a backstabber. She walked out on Donald. She didn't have to. She spent her whole campaign killing Trump. Some crazy mm-hmm. person yesterday said if he takes her on, they're going to kill him like Lee Harvey Oswald. That's a bit much for me. But uh, the yeah. point is, we don't like Nikki Haley. I like Elise Stefanik. I like Tulsi Gabbard. I'm not sold on Nikki Haley. What about you? Well, look, Nikki Haley is very much an establishment figure. I mean, she always has been. And I'll never forget, I don't know where I was, but I was sitting on the dais. It's within the last two years. And I was sitting on the dais, and she was the keynote speaker. And she had a crowd that was eating up everything that she was saying. And the amazing part of it, uh, Sid, is that she just read every word from the teleprompter. She mm. couldn't go off script. Mm. I think she's afraid of uh, what I don't – actually, I don't know what she's afraid of. But, you know, it just kind of reaffirmed in my mind that she is very much a, a rhino, very establishment. And what bothers me is she was so friendly to China. She thought China was, like, terrific. She was glad to, I don't know, she gave them land, sold them land. I mean, you That's know, correct. she was in the administration. How could she not know that? I mean, Trump was all over talking about TikTok and everything else. And yet, and now she's on the board, as, as Vivek talks about. You know, I don't want our country to be involved in wars for the next 20 years and young men and women who go to other places and spill their bloods and come back with fewer limbs than they started with. I really don't. And, you know, what is she on? She's on. I don't know if it's Lockheed or which one, which board she's on. But, you know, she's a neocon. And, you know, the great part about Donald Trump, nobody gives him credit for this. When they were using chemical weapons against kids in Syria, Donald Trump, that did a strategic strike on the chemical weapons plan, went in, went out, that was the end of it. And everybody said, you know, oh, he's going to start wars, he's going to start a nuclear war. He didn't do any of that. Nobody dared, uh, you know, step on Superman's cape when he was president. Nobody. And so my fear is with her, although, you know, Democrats seem to like her, and they say women like her. Well, I'll tell you why some women like her. Some women like her because she made the most intelligent argument about abortion. But does that mean she should be the vice president of the United States? I don't know. That's up to Donald Trump. But, you know, I've got her pegged in my mind as someone who is establishment. But speaking of establishment, I want to say something. I'm so damn happy that Claudine Gay is gone, and I want to know why it took so long for her to be gone. And when she, in her statement, leaving Harvard, says, 
you know, I felt frightened. I felt I whatever words she was using. I'm like, how the hell do you think the Jewish <laughs> students on campus felt when you've got people yelling intifada and let's kill everybody who's Jewish? Yeah. Uh, you know, it just was it was about time. And that's I just no, I mean, I'm, of course. But there's a there's a, and Elise Stefanik made this point with you guys on Fox yesterday. The reason why it took this long is because there's a huge cover up in Harvard. And I hate to say this, and, and I'm not saying it's for every African-American person, but any time a black person gets fired in this country, they claim racial animus. And this idiot did the oh. same thing yesterday. There's no racial yeah. animus. You are guilty no. of plagiarism, anti-Semitism. You've got more isms on your resume than anybody in the industry. <laughs> and, and by the way, you know, you say she, she resigned. She's out of there. Janine. It's not a complete win because the truth is, with her at Harvard and McGill at Pennsylvania, they both are collecting still nearly a million-dollar salaries. I'm not okay with that. Yeah, no. You know what? The punishment is just a name only. The truth is you're right. Both she and McGill at Penn are able to keep their jobs. But the amazing part of it is, and, you know, no one asked this question, the woman never should have been hired in the first place. She's a classic example of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and all that craziness. The woman had 11 journal articles, never wrote a book, and is alleged to have taken, uh, to have uh, plagiarized 50 times, 50 credible (laughs) allegations of plagiarism. If you want a black president of Harvard, if you're so desperate for that, a black female, get Dr. Carol Swain. She's a smart woman. She's a savvy woman. She is brilliant. Put her on. But she never should have been hired in the first place. She was an she's an Obama friend. And that's the only reason that she was kept on there. And Harvard has lowered itself in front of everyone, because what they did was as soon as the New York Post said, you know, we hear she's a plagiarist. They call a law firm and threaten to sue the New York Post for uh, defamation, which doesn't work. Obviously, we saw that with the laptop. But anyway. You're right about all of it. And uh, what's ironic, as you just point out, is that here uh, Miss Gay was claiming she was fired because she's black. And the truth is she only got the job because she's black. Yeah, race protected her. Her race protected her. Well, Curtis Sliwa has a a really funny uh, expression that goes like this. Her protection is her complexion. And that's exactly right. Um, Yes, it's a good one. Her protection is her complexion. Her complexion. Yeah, that's Curtis. So if you want to say it on Fox News later today, give Curtis the credit. Uh, I will. I'll give him credit. I'll give you credit. Whatever. uh, And listen, we we, we have to give Curtis credit because, you know, look, I've gone back and forth with the mayor in this city. You know him and I became good friends. We we went out for dinner many times. I don't know why. But go ahead. Well, I did it because he was willing to listen, and I thought having a conservative voice in his ear may be a good thing, may be a good thing. And he did listen, but it doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, if he cared about the city first, okay, he would find a way to ship these people out of here, stop maligning people like Governor Abbott, but clearly, while he talks a big game about the city, it's not about the city for him, it's still about the Democrat Party. He had opportunities yesterday, once again, Janine Pirro, to say these two words. Joe Biden, he didn't do it. He said federal government, national government, and he just last week supported Joe Biden in the 24 election. That says to me, he doesn't give a rat's ass about this city. Yeah, that tells you that, you know, he is a political operative. He's nothing more than that. But, you know, I don't even have to fast forward to the illegal immigration. And everybody in New York City knows what's going on. You can't walk down the street. You can't walk in front of some hotels without realizing that, you know, there are people there that are trying to panhandle, they're trying to sell things. 
but he never cared about New Yorkers as crime victims. I used to scream on the five. I used to say, you roll up your sleeves, damn it. And every time there's a homicide, get out there and start talking about crime. This is why people elected you. They elected you because you were a cop. And you did, he couldn't do the first thing about it. He couldn't get that. We've got to change the bail statutes. I mean, it's an old song, but it's more and more relevant every day. You know, crime is rampant in New York. He can say whatever he wants about it. We're bringing in people we haven't vetted. He can't afford to keep them anywhere. He can't afford to place them anywhere. But as opposed to saying anything about Joe Biden, who, by the way, got a sunburn while he was away in St. Croix. I mean, I mean, give me a break. The guy's had skin cancer. He's so stupid. He goes and sits down in the sun. I mean, that's stupid. Uh, but aside from all that, I mean, this guy took 140 days off uh, of holiday last year, 140. Most Americans, if they're lucky, get 14 days off. He took 10 times that, and the guy runs the damn country. What a loser. The only thing I can figure out is that, you know, the wife wants the dresses. That's the only thing That's I can it. come up yeah. with. Jill wants yeah. more Dolce yeah. & Gabbana. Oh, come you on. Know, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the epitome of spousal abuse, which she, she humiliates. No, no, it's not just spousal abuse. And believe me, I know all about this. This is elder abuse. The woman's leading him around with a, with a chain, telling him, no, say this. Oh, you forgot your face. Favorite food is ice cream, Joe. Don't forget that. It's ice cream. This guy's a president. I mean, Xi Jinping and Putin are toasting each other and high-fiving each other every time this fool shows up. I mean, I'm so embarrassed. I it have is. anxiety. Every time the guy's going to show up at a press conference, I, know. I get heart palpitations. Uh, me too. I know he's going to fall off the stage or, or talk to a dead person. I have no idea. But that brings us to our friend Donald Trump, and you were just down in Florida. And if yeah. I see one more picture of you with Alina Hobby or Sigga Flicker, I'm going to Siggy Flicker. I mean, Jesus, Janine, you talk about hanging out with the, the lady folks in, in Boca. Um, hey, <laughs> Alina Hobby. We went to Mateo's. I saw Peter. He looks great. He lost weight. Yeah. The food is fabulous. Isn't you it? know what? He, I got to tell you something. He's got some, uh, he's got some Jewish, uh, signature in the, in the restaurant. It very artsy stuff. Somebody objected. He threw him out of the restaurant. I oh, said, I love you him. Go, Peter. Peter you Kramer. Go. He's a great guy. And uh, Vinny, too. Vinny looks like Sylvester Stallone. He's his uh, right hand man there. Yeah. yeah. And I know he loves you. And he, you know, you and I saw each other there a couple of years ago. But, yep. you know, yep. Iowa, Iowa's right here now, Janine. And we kept hearing for months and months. You know, finally, the Washington Post put in the paper yesterday what I said eight months ago. Even Steve Bannon gave me credit for it. I said yep. the moment that Donald Trump won the primary, had nothing to do with the indictments. Of course, people are starting to sympathize with him. The day he stepped foot in East Palestine, Ohio, when Joe Biden yep. was taking pictures in the garden with Zelensky in Ukraine, and Americans yep. are glowing in the dark, and Donald Trump goes to Ohio, <laughs> that, that was the day that he won this thing. It was right then and there. And now everybody's coming to that same realization. Now Iowa is right here, right? So no more excuses. Yep. Ah, it's months away. DeSantis will catch him. Haley will catch him. It's oh, no, over. Not a chance. No. Not, let me tell you something. People want a fighter. They're tired of it. It costs $11,000 a year, more a year than it did four years ago to live. Nothing new, nothing added, just $11,000 more. And people are fed up with They're fed up with immigration. I mean, they're getting free health care. I, you know, I remember though, a couple of years ago in California, everybody had to pay for health care. Now, if you're illegal, it's free. Why do you think they're dragging in all these illegals? Sooner or later, they're going to be voting. 
You know it and I know it. Yep. That's why Joe Biden is asking, you know, isn't saying a word. He's like, oh, no, the border's secure. Are you a fool? <laughs> Are Mayorkas, why they haven't impeached them? I don't know. Maybe they don't want to get involved in an election year. But the truth is that they're not seeing this. ABC, NBC, CBS, they're not talking about this. And the sad part is that America is feeling it. And I think that Donald Trump, I think what's going to happen is he's going to come back. I don't think I don't care what anyone says. People are fed up. They want a fighter and they want a bulldog and they've had it. They've had it with the Bidens and the corruption and the money and Joe Biden saying, show me the money. What an arrogant guy. Hmm. You know, go sit in the sun again. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. listen, I am uh, I'm so happy that you actually want to be on this show in uh, 2024. I, do. I love you. I love you too. I You're so smart. I love I love listening to your guests. I uh, I got to listen to Mark Levin earlier, and uh, he is the great one, without a doubt. And uh, we've got to fight to keep New York. We've got to fight to keep this country. Uh, sad part, sad thing, Sean Hannity moved to Florida. Did you hear that? I actually, uh, let's play this uh, now that you brought it up. Let's go to uh, cut number 13. This is our, our dear friend Sean Hannity last night starting his show by saying, I'm out of here. Tonight we are now broadcasting from my new home the great free state of Florida. Like so many Americans, I left New York for good and am now in the state with, let's see, warmer weather, law and order, better education, more freedom, uh, better quality of life, and guess what? No state income tax. So you were just down in Boca last week. I lived there for 16 years. Did he say anything there that was not accurate? Everything was accurate, and he ticked it right down the list. And, you know, the truth is that, you know, I'm on the five and I love being on the five. So I have to be in Manhattan every day. And I love the show and I love my, uh, you know, my co-host. But at the same time, when you go down to Florida, did you realize that people are happier there? They're just happy. In New York, you look at someone the wrong way. They're ready to beat you up. I mean, you drive your car, you know, on the the other side of the road. They got a gun pointed at you. I mean, this is crazy town. It really is. It's true. It's, it's true. No, they know, true. Everybody down there is tan. They look healthy. They're happy. Yeah. yeah, they, you know, yeah. They dis- all they discuss down there is where are we going for dinner tonight? What time? No one's yep. talking about migrants and raping and murder. None of that. None of that. Yeah, it's it's hey, I love you. Thank you for this. You too. You're Take the best. Care. Take care. Okay. That is Judge Janine Pirro. I can't believe she's on every week now. I'm so happy. Thank you, Janine Pirro. Thank you. Check her out on The Five every weekday afternoon on Fox News and, of course, every Sunday morning. What a terrific way to hear she does here right here at ABC. That's a pretty good one-two punch, Mark Levin into Judge Janine. And we keep it going. This lady coming up next to me, put the B in brave, put the C in courage. She's incredibly talented. Great sports lady. Anchor at ESPN for many years. A lot of NBA stuff. Beautiful, too, mind you. But you know what? You ain't going to mess with Sage Steele. You're not going to tell Sage Steele what's right and what's wrong, what she can and can't say. Sage Steele understands she's an American. And some of us care about that. The First Amendment, our right, Constitution. Sage Steele makes her debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning with me, Sid, coming up next.
Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Boy, I'm looking back at our guest list today. What a show, man. God, what a great show, huh? Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Mark Levin, and Janine Pirro, and then Sage Steele is about to make her debut on the show, and I'm a huge Sage fan. She great. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, you know one thing, Sage Steele has great taste in music. Let's groove tonight, Sage. This one's for you, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You can do it, right. This hour brought to you by Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. They do make the world's best boilers. Check them out at peerlessboilers.com, pavilliontankless.com. And one quick shout-out before I get to the uh, lovely Sage Steele, my beautiful wife, Danielle. Would like to give her friend, as I would, Michelle Olson, a big shout out. Michelle was just made partner at Capitola and Divins, our buddy Anthony Capitola, out there in Garden City. Congratulations to Michelle Olson. Very, very nice girl, smart girl, couldn't happen to a better person. Anyway, my next guest, not just a great sports lady, but listen, folks, if you followed my career 25 years, you know one thing about me, I got balls, I don't care. And uh, anybody who takes on... I believe the bureaucracy in, in, in an attempt to make it right is a hero. So Sage Steele is that. Here she is making her debut on this program, Sage Steele. Sage, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. I'm great. Thank you for having me on. And, by the way, when when you someone says their favorite song is Let's Groove Tonight, Earth, Wind, and Fire, like, we're totally aging ourselves if that's our favorite I know. song, right? I and know. I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. No, me too. I don't care. I'm, I'm afraid to even ask my 15-year-old son or 19-year-old daughter what their favorite song is. You know, by the way, hey, Lewis, isn't there a big concert this summer? Earth, Wind, and Fire in, like, August, or is that, am I confusing that with Chicago? No, I think they are touring. Yeah, uh, yeah. they Un- are. Unfortunately, Maurice White, who passed away, is not going to be. Oh, that's right, right. yeah. But Philip Bailey. Philip Bailey, who did all yep. those great songs with Phil Collins, is still there, yeah. So, uh, Sage, for folks, because, again, this is mostly politics, I do do a lot of sports yeah. on this show, being I was weird on WFAN here in New York, and I'm still a sports guy to a certain extent. But this station is really a political station. They may not know your whole history. How does a (laughs) smart, beautiful sports lady at ESPN all of a sudden no longer work at ESPN? What was the history? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay. First of all, I'm going to start off by saying that – I love what you do. I love what you guys do. And the reason why I wanted to come on is because you guys are patriots. You get it. And you don't need, nobody has to agree on everything, but it's just to, to be respectful and kind and the diversity of thought. That's everything for me. And 
And I come from a military background. You know, my dad went to West Point. He might have actually broke the color barrier. The first black man ever to play varsity football at West Point. Is that he right? Was a stud. Yes, 1966. Wow. He was a stud. He was uh, All-American, East-West Shrine game. He was actually drafted by the Detroit Lions back when they had 17 rounds in the NFL draft. Yeah. But even though they knew, the Lions knew he had to fulfill that five-year military obligation, which turned out to be 23, and he's a retired colonel, and my dad is my hero and my best friend. So that's where my principle comes from, even though (laughs) sometimes it's harder to to stand true to that, right, When, when that's who you are, because it gets scary. When the you know what hits the fan, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, stand up? At least try to discuss it, have conversations with your bosses in my case. Um, try to make change, beg, beg, beg. Or are you just going to go silent again, which I had my entire life. Mm. And at some point it mm. gets tiring. Mm. And and I had to look myself in the mirror. So the story is basically I was I was I was silenced for my views. Um, I went on a podcast with former Bears quarterback Jay Cutler. Uh, the podcast is now defunct, but I'd like to thank my uh, big mouth put him on the map that day. <laughs> um, my God. He never thanked me, though. He should have thanked me before he ran off hunting in the woods. He's but got all fine. kinds of crawl issues and uh, Miami Dolphin issues, but he's fine. He made a lot of money, so he'll be okay. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and by the way, people are like, oh, my God. I go, no, no, no. I said what I said, and I would say it again. Here, here's the thing. I went on his podcast because a publicist friend of his said, hey, he'd, he'd had like two shows. We need a woman. Would you come? I was like, absolutely. I'd never even met him, but sure. And hey, his research team did their homework and, and picked out three topics that I'd been outspoken on in the past years prior. Um, and it, the first one was about women in sports and kind of the evolution of it and how I experienced it. I graduated from college in 1995. So, you know, like pre internet (laughs) um black and white film right now for internet and 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 where it was just a different world and so i was always the only female in a locker room in an nba locker room in an nfl locker room for a long time and um i have strong opinions on on women and professionalism um while going in there and with your elbows out and making room for yourselves, you know, and I also right. am a mother of three with two daughters who clothes matter. I always say women were really smart. We know what we're wearing. We know why we know when, so don't be surprised if people look at you when you're wearing that into a locker room. I'll always say it doesn't mean men can't be better or shouldn't be better, but women are smart and we're responsible too. That blew me up. Number two, he asked me about race um, and why it's important to me to be uh, called biracial if asked or if i'm filling out a census or something in 2014 i went on the view with barbara with the crew Whoopi and barbara walters and um barbara walters had a huge problem with the fact that i said i was biracial not black barack oh, obama please. president at the time yeah. um and she's like well the president does and i said please. well congratulations to the president yeah. he it's interesting he has a um he you know, was raised by a white mother and a white grandmother his black father was nowhere to be found there's a book right. about it but you do you. I'm going to do me. And um, <laughs> I said it's important for me to be called biracial because I love my white mom as much as my black dad. Pretty sure my white mom was there when I was born that day. <laughs> and I, I'm i like, wh- why wouldn't I celebrate the diversity of my family? That got me canceled. And then the third thing was being forced to take a vaccine right. um, to, to, com- to, to maintain my right. job at ESPN and Disney. And I, and I had to do it to keep my job. But I said it was sick. Disney didn't like it. I got suspended 
the rest is history when I stood up for myself. By the way, my beautiful wife, Danielle, who I mentioned right before I brought you on, is also biracial, black father, mm-hmm. white mother, my children, oh, my hi, two Danielle. beautiful kids. Yes, Ava and Gabriel are part black. And uh, I maintain that biracial women are the prettiest women in the world because they got the best of everything. Um, We're all mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, you know, I remember I was uh, I used to cover the Giants for FAN. I did their pre- and post-game shows and the whole Lisa Olsen, Zeke Mowat thing from way back yeah. when. But, you know, I know that you've also been pretty outspoken about uh, males acting as if they were females competing in female yeah. sports. And, and look, uh, for some reason... When I eviscerated Colin Kaepernick and others and others for kneeling during the national anthem, for some reason, a reason stayed still, that became a racial thing. It was never racial for me. I, I don't care if you're white or black. When you kneel during the national anthem for your father, for example, he is a hero, God bless him, you're spitting right in his face. But if I'm a white guy and I say that, I'm a racist. I'm not okay with that. Listen, you're, you're absolutely right. But, I, you know, it's funny. I just tweeted to my dear friend, Michelle Tafoya, who I absolutely love. I love her, too. Um, yes. She's yep. as classy as yep. they get and the best at her job probably ever, um, a job that's much harder than people realize. And I just tweeted at, at, at my girl, Michelle, just because she was asking Mark Lamont Hill why he said they must hire a black woman as the next president of Harvard. Um, and I just tweeted, like, listen, you, you can't have conversations with people like Mark because they want racism to remain. It's way too profitable for them to stop the BS. And so um, to me, it's a waste of time to have a conversation. I, I, that's why I don't engage on Twitter with those people, because um, they're useless in my life if they are trying to make this country worse, which is and they're doing a, a good job of it right now. I got in trouble. Um, my first like real social media blow up um, was in 20. Well, right after Trump was elected in 2016, and I and I said something about Mike Evans, the awesome Buccaneers receiver who I really like. Um, he was, you know, kneeling, which you know I don't agree with it, but that is their right. Um, but afterwards, he was asked why he was kneeling, and he just thought it was a disgrace that Trump was elected. Oh, by the way, he didn't vote. So I <laughs> ripped on. I, I retweeted something that ESPN had tweeted yeah, and ripped yeah. on him, and because I am a woman of color, because I'm black. Um, because I'm biracial, call me whatever it is. He's biracial as well, I think, Mike Evans. I'm not allowed to criticize him. I am a sellout in all the names that I'm called on a daily basis that I can't repeat on your radio show. Sure you can. Because, because if you have... <laughs> If you Here you can, by the way, Sage. I'm not ESPN. Well, I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> well, but the words are, are gross to yeah, me. Yeah. I, I got a potty mouth at times, but there's certain words that I will never of course, use. Of course. And it's, it's coming from, they're, they're, they're just ugly, ugly comments that black people use against other black people when you don't fall in line, right. which to me is the biggest, one of the biggest problems that no one touches on, right, is, is, so if we're trying to make this country better and and as African-Americans, as black people, but then if one black person doesn't believe like they quote unquote should, they're a racist, they're a sellout, they're a coon, they're all of these things. Are you, are you kidding me? And so that is so divisive, but people are afraid to talk about that part. It's such a double yeah. standard. And I just refuse to be silent about it anymore because I love our country too much. And I think the diversity of it. Yeah. Is what makes us great. But when we tear each other down for thinking differently, that actually is so insulting. It's like, oh, all people with black skin must believe the same, must vote the same, must act the same, must marry the same. Well, that you're making it sound like we're stupid and can't think for ourselves. It's embarrassing. 
Well, it is, and, and I have about two minutes to go with you. And by the way, you have not just uh, met expectations, you've exceeded expectations. I'm being honest, Sage. I don't remember the last time my phone has received this many messages that read, I swear to you, love her. Those wow. two words, love her. From men, yeah. women, whites, blacks, everybody. Uh, but, but look, you covered the NBA. You're a great NBA yeah. person. You're great. And LeBron James, I mean, look, I, I still think Michael's the greatest of all time because I'm old, okay? That's it. He's the greatest of all time. <laughs> I agree. We're at a certain <laughs> but, age. Right, I know but, I have to but, all the time. But LeBron is probably second greatest of all time, but he's one of the biggest problems. He's another guy that everything is a black and white issue on. Everything black guys do is okay and white guys do is not okay. A lot of the guys in the NBA are like that. You know that. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a disgrace. Am I wrong? Mm. I don't know if I agree with you on the Kyrie thing. I think that's going to take another conversation. Okay. Um, we'll do it again next always, week. <laughs> I don't always agree. I don't certainly do not always agree with Kyrie, but I think he does far less damage than LeBron James does. And LeBron, for example, if you even just look at what's happening with that school in Akron, which, um, you know, ESPN, I remember we did a huge feature on it and the greatness of it, which, yes, initially that's what you think, but if you dive into it and – Look at it wasn't really funded by LeBron. It's taxpayers are funding that. And oh, there's a there's a murder of a white kid outside of his school by a couple of black kids that he won't talk about. Right. Listen, racism is racism is racism. We can't pick and choose. And when you do pick and choose, you lose any and all credibility. LeBron is an incredible player. Obviously, top five in my mind, one of the all time greats. I love him as a player. Um, I, I I I I hate that he inserts himself where he's completely clueless and he needs to have better people around him to educate him. Or maybe they're uneducated too. I don't know. Here's the best part of being a sportscaster for 28 years. I was always able to separate. And I think it's really important. You can separate someone's talent, skills on the court, on the field, whatever, um, from their politics, yes. frankly. And, yep. and that's how I think it is. That's how I lead my life with friendships, with relationships, um, Everything. And if we don't, then we are contributing to the downfall of the society. Separate, it's okay. Great basketball player, clueless in every other way. <laughs> well said. I, I got to tell you, uh, we have to wrap this up because I got okay. another show coming up next. But I don't know what you're doing six to ten weekdays, but I got a chair to my left right here. <laughs> well, I'm unemployed right now. I mean, it's really weird. So, and I, I'm, I'm up in outside of Hartford, Connecticut. You know, where outside where ESPN is. Um, I need to come down your way. I need to. I need to find a life. I have no life right now. You I should come here. College and okay. We will. Text me. We'll talk. All right. We will talk. You were brilliant today. We'll do it again very soon. I will text you. Thank you so much. Keep talking, Sage. God bless Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank your father, too. He's a hero. Thank uh, oh, oh, From all of us, thank your father. That is it. That is uh, Sage Steele, and she was every bit as good, probably better, than any of you could have imagined. Sage Steele, baby. Let's get her here. John, Chad, you're listening? Let's get her here. Perfect for this place. We are done. Great show today. Lewis, as always, magnificent. Justin Ellis, great job. Noam Layton. Great job. Big Thursday show coming up. O'Reilly, Napolitano, Curtis, the whole crew. For all of us, for all of you on this Wednesday morning, hope you enjoyed the program. Till tomorrow, folks. Peace. Hey.